guys, welcome to Tier 1 Athlete Podcast. I'm host Ray Casillas, and today, I always say this, I have an amazing individual in this room, but I, I truly mean that. I always have, like, if they're coming on the podcast, they're amazing at whatever they do. So, I guess I can, I'm going to use that word amazing all the time, but I have Doc Seth Hazelhoon. Well yes. done, well it's, done. We, well, we practiced that before we went through, but I'm not going to give any credit on that. So, man, I've known Doc Seth for a very long time, right? Um, you know, he And I'll let him explain what he does and, and where he's at, but I didn't understand fully the concept when I first started working around you, What, how intricate your role was with what you did, like just being close, you know, I wouldn't say close-minded, but ignorant to that portion of it it over the years has opened my mind and it, it has honestly changed how i train my my guys whether it's you know soldiers or kids or adults like i've never told you that obviously but that has been huge so without further ado doc seth well that's uh that's very humbling to hear um first of all thanks for having me it's I consider it an honor because the context that I met you was I was in the same boat, completely ignorant. I grew up wrestling and playing sports and doing all that, but I remember getting a lesson early from one of your students that was we were just over at lunch learning some things, and he was like, "We're gonna do double leg takedowns." All right, cool. I know how to do a double leg takedown. I'm comfortable all of a sudden, and I got in a really good position. And he said, "Stop! You're doing it wrong." I don't know, man. Hold up, hold up. Was that, was that Earl? No. Oh, okay, cool. Awesome. No, it wasn't. It was, it was, uh, it was one of the soft guys. Okay. 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 Um, Awesome. He's out now, uh, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to name names right now. Okay. I'll I'll let you, you can do the the calculus pretty soon, but. I already know who it is. Yeah. Gotcha. He said, no, 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 you're wrong. And I'm like, I don't know. I can, I can use this and your head's in the wrong spot. And I'm like, I can move you around however I want. Did you know him then? I inter- was introduced to him at that point. Like, this is early. This is eight years ago. So what was your first initial impression of him? He was outside of his mind, but he was really smart. Because the first time I met him was in the gym, and he was breaking down the stress response to the strength coaches. And I'm like, that's my job. But I better just shut up and listen, because he's a pretty big, physical, aggressive-looking guy. And I don't know this anybody so about funny. anybody. Okay, yeah. Th- th- this just makes this better. All right, keep going. And then yeah. he's just like, "You're right. You're the new guy, right? You're the you're the brain guy, right? Am I right?" Roger that. You're right. That's so hilarious. But he said, "I'm in this perfect double leg takedown position," and he's telling me that I'm wrong. And I'm like, "I don't know. Do I tell? Like, do I? When do I announce a little bit of like authority around here? Yeah. Like, I know what I'm doing." Yeah. So I tested the waters and he said, no, because I can stab you here and I can shoot you here and I can choke you here. And then that was the click for me was that, oh, we're not wrestling. We're fighting. Yes. And we're not playing sports anymore. And so that was one of the, one of my first memories really of, oh, all of this sports psychology stuff, it's going to be different. It's right? going to change. Because coming from the academic side, the rule is performance is performance is performance. It's all the same stuff. And there's a lot of truth to that. But the thing about performance outside of a military context is that it's repeatable. Yeah. Right? Like Major League Baseball plays 164 games, 500 at bats. If you go 0 for 4 today, 
Yeah. You're going to do it again tomorrow, right? So you, there's a lot of that kind of learning and I can fail and there's some safety in the field. Like nobody likes to fail. Everybody's competitive and everybody wants to win and everybody wants to be good at stuff, but it's repeatable. Yeah. Right. You go yeah. 0 for 20 this year. Well, next season we're going to go two for 20, you know, two and 18 or whatever, the, yeah. whatever sport you're playing. The consequences are different. And because the consequences are different, it's a pretty intimidating world to come in and be like, Hey, Oh, you're the new guy. Well, what are you going to tell me about how to think in a gunfight? Well, you're right. I'm, I have no idea. That's what I'm here for. Yeah. Teach me. Right. And then once they started teaching me some stuff that opened some avenues for me to sprinkle some stuff in there and test the waters. And as long as it, you know, I'm giving them the just scraping the surface of the sports psychology concepts and it's, it's got to work right now. Yeah. Cause as soon as it doesn't work, it's over. Right. And it's just been a really slow, I used to tell people that this was the most rewarding, frustrating, and intimidating thing that I've ever done. I can I can attest to that on, the, on my side also. Yeah, for mm -hmm. sure. And now it's less intimidating, but because I have my feet on the ground and I know some things that most people don't know from the civilian side, and just in terms of how they operate and how they work and, and all that good stuff, but it's less intimidating, but it's it, I feel like it bears more responsibility. Agree. Right? Like, yeah. I'm kind of over the intimidated part, but now the responsibility is huge because I can't give somebody something that's not going to work. I say this. Especially if they start to listen. Well, we and we say this, like, you know, from a sporting, uh, sporting side of it, like, just like you said, uh, you know, in most sports, when you lose, you lose. It's just a loss. We're going to go back and we're going to try that again. You know, a combative type thing is a little bit different so you know high school wrestling for for most right um jujitsu i bring that into there those losses are significant they bear a lot but in in the counterpart is you also understand you start to understand that that loss however morally or demising it is at that time that it's going to continue to happen and the only way i'm going to be able to get better and maybe stop that from happening less is by going in more. And I was so sorry, right. like, you know, like, and so what we do with what, you know, and, and again, we're, we, we cross paths quite a bit with just what we do because fighting is psychology. Right. <laughs> and, and it's like, um, but you, you, you know, you realize this, it's like, I, after you get after the, I don't, for me, it went like this being, going in there as an outsider. And we talked about this earlier, no matter how good you are or what you do, you're still an outsider. Mm -hmm. So there's a vetting process and, and man, it's just not like overnight. Oh man, I've got all these accolades. I've got all these, you know, these certificates. It's not like, okay, you had a, a, a conversation with one individual and they went out and like, okay, doc Seth is fully trusted. Ray is fully trusted. No, like I always tell guys, man, I felt like it was four years before it was just, it wasn't okay. He's the outside guy. I was like, "Oh, hey man, he teaches our combatives, and you know this is where we're at, right?" Mm -hmm. But I was telling you, it's it's not an easy process. There's it, there's a lot of humility that goes into there. Again, when they say subject matter experts, I felt like I was telling you, guys, it's not like I came into fifth group no understanding everything about weapon fighting. I knew a lot about fighting. I got together with dudes that know how to shoot and, and, and you know, 
great mentors in the process, then I was there. So then it was like, okay, during that vetting process, I was also fine tuning how I took what I know on the outside to be able to put on the inside. Mm -hmm. And then once you get past that point, you're like, all right, I'm good. This is where I'm at. But now that responsibility gets even heavier because you're like, okay, now I know these guys, they, they like, and it's not like, I mean, these were like, love these guys. I say that in a very, you know, non homo way. I guess I probably shouldn't even say that, but whatever. Um, in a genuine, in a genuine gen- way, yeah, in yeah. a genuine way, man. Like, I, I love these guys, man. So I, I know that I can't feed them bullshit. Bullshit right. gets you killed in what we do. Right. And so I think you're on the same aspect, right? Yeah. And that, that trust is hard earned just like all trust, but their circles are a lot tighter. They're harder to get into. And it's a very much show me society. Yeah. Show me you can do it. Show me you can do it. And then maybe we'll listen to you. And, but once that trust is earned, then that's where, from, from my perspective, that's where the responsibility really starts to click. Yeah. Is that, oh, okay, we got him to buy in. We got him to try it. He saw the benefit of it. Now he trusts me. Now he's going to do whatever I suggest he does. I've got to be right. Yeah. We've got to be right. And we've made it through the, you know, several journeys with several people. But like, as you were talking about that, it reminded me, you know, I, I agree. It took me probably three or four years before I was quote unquote in. Yeah. But I was only in one part. Yeah. And there's a lot of different parts. There's right? a, there's a of, yeah, lot yeah. of individual circles that you have to get inside of. And, you know, the reputation or the the word on the street goes a long way. Yeah. Right. But it's the old, like we were talking about business earlier too. Right. And I'm not a business. I've got a, a sport management degree, which is a watered down business degree. Right. <laughs> and, um, so I know that if you have one bad customer, they're going to tell 10 people, but if you, it takes 10 good customers before they mention it once yeah. kind of thing. Right. And that has always been something I've, that's always kind of in the forefront of my mind every time somebody asked me to say anything. And so I probably started off really passive, yeah, really passive. And then the first time that I really spoke up and it was like, Oh, well, you're not saying it and you're not saying it and you're not saying it and you're not saying it. I guess it's my turn to deliver the bad news. Yeah. It didn't go over very well. Yeah. Didn't go over very well. Like that, some of the guys really appreciated it that, Oh, thanks. That's what they needed to hear. I'm like, well, you're the guy in charge. Why don't you say it? Cause that circle even gets smaller. And so now, you know, then now we're teaching teachers kind of, kind of thing. And that's, that's kind of what I'm there for as far as I can figure. But just like you're talking about the weapons fighting, like they didn't teach me how to do a lot of this stuff in the academic world. Like you get a degree in sports psychology, you're not going to learn about vision training, especially not vision training specifically for shooters or a lot of the, the other kind of cognitive psychology teaching and learning stuff, it's a lot more like competition yeah. thinking. Like what do, what do competitive populations, what are those people like mentally? Like what's the difference between one of the examples that was brought up in this kind of think tank thing that I was in, involved in one time was we were having, they were having a hard time defining the word performance. 
Okay. Talking to a bunch of like clinical psychologists, operational psychologists, um, IO psychs, industrial organizational psychs, and a couple of us sports psychs. We're always the low people on the totem pole, right? When we get in the room like that. And okay. they're like, they're having a hard time defining performance. And I'm like, how is this so hard to but, define performance? Because I grew up in the sport world. Yeah. Right? It's because they're in, I always feel like guys that they're like that academically, like just in it. Mm-hmm. I feel like they're in the box sometimes so, so far, far that they that it's hard for them to come outside that. Yeah, because yeah. when everything's conceptual on a research from a research standpoint, yeah. that's the whole idea. It's like we've got this this conceptual framework and this conceptual framework, and we're trying to merge these together to answer one single question, and we're going to control all the variables so that we can assess this one single item. Right? Yeah. In the real world, all those variables are not controlled; they have to be accounted for. And so the, it's, a, it's evidence-based training, yeah, but it's not evidence-reproduced training. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it like, totally does. Because the guys that, that we work with, whether, like, we both work with kids, right? I've heard you talk about that before. Yeah. This is the same thing that I do is I'll spend all day, what's your phrase? Murder, death, kill? Yeah, murder, right? death, kill. Murder, death, kill. Mine came out to live and die and killing. Like, I spend <laughs> eight, eight, eight to ten hours a day living, dying, and killing, and then 30 minutes later, I'm standing in front of a bunch of eight-year-olds on a baseball field. And it always strikes me as funny that I'm talking about the same things. Just different. Just different language. Yeah. Different language, different outcomes, but we're talking, we're still talking about focus, and we're talking about attention, and we're talking about confidence, and we're talking about motivation, and we're talking about overcoming fear and doubt and all that stuff. It's just two different purposes but we're talking about the same stuff right performance is performance is performance but i feel like there's very maybe just because i want to feel special but i feel like there's very few people that can make that change like we do because you do the same thing it's like i go again murder death kill to you know aggressive hugs right (laughs) right but in in essence i again the presentation is still the same in in an essence right it is just different it is the same and i was not doing as good of a job of it as I thought I was. Cause this is one of the things that I teach, right? It's like, we're supposed to be able to be mental agility is supposed to be a thing. And so there've been a couple times, especially in the first three or four years where I was really just, just completely absorbed. You couldn't into separate the work. those worlds. Well, I thought it was. Yeah. But you but weren't. I like to run on, I have a really hard time at work not or i have a really hard time at work being like the third volunteer assistant coach that just offers suggestions yeah right i was i'm kind of hardwired to be the guy in charge and i like to be intensity and i'm a little i'm high on the emotionality scale if we want to go full nerd but i'm into things and so i would come home there was one time where i came home from work and i'm thinking like man that was a great day we're, I'm, I'm just up yeah and we're at dinner and my kids are probably kindergarten so what six or seven and three or four it's like what'd you guys do at school today what what happened to you and get your elbows off the table and and i'm just going i'm yeah flowing still in still in my wife stopped me she's like hey stop i'm glad that you found your people that you can talk to like that they don't live here that's awesome right and then the next that happened one other time she always does a good job of keeping me in check but I drove straight. I was in a shoot house for eight hours and you could, it just elevates you. Sudden loud noises, super aggressive people doing super aggressive stuff, um, teaching and learning. Yeah. Right. 
I go to the baseball, I literally change my clothes in the parking lot of the little league field and run out to the field and I'm going hundred miles an hour thinking the kids are having a great time. She comes up to the backstop and gives me the, the come here finger, right? Like your mom did when you were in trouble and she doesn't want to yell at you, but she's like here. Yeah. And I'm like, what, what are you, what's, we're in the middle of this. What are you doing? She's like, you have got to tone it down. What are you talking about? We're having fun, right? And I'm yelling at the kids, and the kids are, "Uh, I don't know. She's like, you're terrifying everybody around here. Your intensity is way too high. And so I've had to really do a better job of of shifting those gears, but that has helped me understand the guys at work better. How they have to switch. How they have to switch. Helps me kind of set the conditions at work. When I know a guy's too high, I'm better at, Bringing him back, bringing him back down, or and frankly, from in my opinion, a lot of the stuff that they do, especially in the world that that you help them with, they're too low when they train, way too low. Yeah, they're not emotionally invested. They're not really like that. I learned this in your gym actually. The first time I saw it was on the the whiteboard in the old gym. Yeah, yeah. That we would go in there, like I said, at lunch, and somebody would beat us up for a while and try to teach us something, but. It was, you'll never rise to the occasion. You always fall to the level of your training. Yep. And it was the same guy. And I think you know who we're talking about. Yep. And I was like, man, that is bullshit. And he's like, what? what? There's a posture change. He, he yeah. was agitated. I'm like, why don't you train for the occasion? Why don't you just train for the occasion? And I wrote it on this board. Yeah. And he's like, don't you ever write on that board again. <laughs> Because right? like, I'm still brand new. And I was like, oh, man, I crossed the line. Got it. But I ended up working and talking to that guy a lot yeah. in, the, in the following years because we had pretty honest conversations about it, right? And he had been in hand-to-hand combat in real life. Yeah. And he talked about what it was like to me, right? And he didn't do it to, like, because he had some sort of, like, problem with it. He was trying to educate me because he's like, look, if you're going to talk about this stuff, if you're going to be here, you need to know something about it. And it's one of those things that you can't really know until you've done it. Yeah. But I'm going to do my best to help you. And there have been a lot of those guys that have really helped me out in understanding, kind of framing how we have to go about this whole mental performance, if you will. Well, I think I always go back to that. It's like the connect the dots. You know, Mm -hmm. I had this conversation with just, we had this conversation yesterday with one of my with aerial group how what i dynamically see with with most scenarios just being around where we've been there's amazing pieces all around all around very few times do those amazing pieces come together and merge to become one Mm -hmm. and i'm just i'm always like am i the only one that fucking sees this or am i just am i the (laughs) dumb one in the room and this is not the way it's supposed to be Mm -hmm. right how many times do you drive home from work and think, am I the crazy one or the stupid one? Because I can't yeah, figure it out. Yeah, dude, dude, so much. And like when you were going back to that, it's like when you're engulfed in that world, you have to be fully in. Mm-hmm. This is not something that you like kind of dabble. Like, you know, I teach jujitsu. Like I'm teaching the sport of it, aspect of it. And I have to pull my back, myself back sometimes and go, I'm so into this world then I feel like this world is kind of like, eh. But for 90% of the population, that world's the scary world because they're mm-hmm. never going to be in this world. Right. And so it's hard for me to pull 
that back and kind of like, all right, to me, like, all right, if you get swept and you get, and you lose by points, we just go back and fix it. But for them, it's like they died, Mm -hmm. you know? And it's like, so as a coach, I obviously I know like, listen, I'm a, I'm a pretty good jujitsu coach. I agree. I am. I don't like, it's like, dude, I know enough about psychology from being around dudes that like, that are way smarter than me and understand how to implement that probably is better than most, but I'm still like one stripe white belt. Like, you know, I tell my guys, like if you're having performance anxiety, go talk to a sports psychologist. I can, again, like you said earlier, I can listen to you <laughs> right? and I can probably jump in on half of the shit with you and be mm-hmm. like, yep, been there. This is how I got through it. But again, you're not me and I'm not you. So I don't know. Like I don't have the professional portion to put there. And that's why I feel like, you understand that what you're teaching these guys is more than sport. Oh, and, yeah. and, 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 and obviously I've seen this over the years. And again, I always go back with, you've helped me become a better coach to my jujitsu students. Cause I understand how important sports psychology is like the, just the psychology of fighting. It's not just go in and freaking, I see red bro. And it's all over. Right. No, there's a lot more that happens there. Yeah. So like, that, and I think what you were talking about earlier where our time at work has been like guys are more open to talk about things that than, than maybe the older guys were. Yeah. And I think yes and no in some ways, but that in that way, guys seem to be more open to talking about like, hey man, like performance anxiety, confidence, you know, I'll argue guys all day long about the difference between motivation and, and habit right or discipline and motivation i get it that i get what they mean but the academic part of me is just like it's just not, you want to strangle them incomplete understanding of motivation yeah. but whatever makes you go like run with it right um but they're more open to talk about that kind of stuff but they're also more open to being coached than the older guys were and at some level i think that's really good on some level, I think that's probably not as good. Elaborate on that portion, if you don't mind. Well, there are things that they're responsible for teaching themselves. Okay. Right? Yeah. And you and I have been around there a long time, and we've learned a lot of things from them. And the benefit that you and I have is that we get to see it as a whole. Yeah. Right? The shortcoming that they have is they only see it from their one perspective right so if you're a team guy right like you had uh what was his name on the podcast navy seal jp yeah jp jp so i've heard a couple i know a couple guys on the seal side obviously know a lot of guys on the on the special forces side and if you listen to them talk about their experience they talk about their experience yeah they don't understand the, the whole, the full experience. Right? So yeah. if we talk about a special forces group. You and I understand the group, mm-hmm. right? These guys don't understand the group. They think that their experience is the experience. Like yeah. If I have this experience, then everybody in this room, then is SF has the same experience, right? Yeah. It's like, no, man, no, no man. And I, I can't tell you how many times I've heard the story where one team is ripping out with another team and they're doing some surveys or, or getting familiar with the layout or whatever. And the new team is like, oh, we got to set that up and we got to do this. And the young guy that's been tasked with driving around is like, wait a minute, does my team suck? Yeah. 
It's like, oh, that's not my job. My job is not to tell you who to shoot or who not to shoot. Yeah. My job is to put you in the position that you have to make those decisions under some pressure where the consequences don't matter. Right? Yeah. That's my job. If we're going to, if you're going to ask me to help you be a better combat marksman, we can do shooting fundamentals because from a motor skill standpoint, shooting a, a weapon, shooting a pistol or shooting a rifle is pretty simple. Yeah. Right? It's a lot of isometric stuff. It's pretty easy to teach somebody how to shoot a gun and make a bullet hit a target. Yeah. Right? It's yep. pretty easy to do. It's pretty easy to teach. But when we start talking about combat marksmanship, then now we're kind of graying some areas, right? Because I've had a lot of education in combat marksmanship just due to the nature of the work that I've been doing. And I've seen, you know, I've been to the shooting schools more times than everybody else. And just because they bring me along to do other stuff. But by proxy, I learned this stuff too, because I'm not stupid and I pay attention to things. I need to know what the, what they're talking about so I can put what I have in context of what they need it, right? And we've seen this long enough where it's like, yeah, man, your team's kind of fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> Compared to the teams that were really good at this, that I've seen be really good at this, and the AAR says they're really good at this, and everybody else, like, I don't know what good looks like because I'm not a gunfighter. I've never been a gunfighter. And hopefully I'll never have to be a gunfighter. But I've talked to a lot of guys that were gunfighters, that were in a lot of gunfights. And based on what they say, yeah, this is bad. And this is why. And I know that's going to hurt your feelings. At some point, I just don't have to care about your feelings anymore because you just need to hear it. Yeah. But I can't. I couldn't say that in year one. One, because I didn't know <clears throat> any of those things, right? But even now that I've been there for almost a decade, I have to be careful about how bring that in because at some point they shouldn't be dependent on me to teach them combat marksmanship. Yeah. Even though I know enough about it where I feel like I could probably do a good job of it, but they need to know how to do that for themselves. Yeah. Right. And so that's what I mean by like, it's good that they're more coachable, Yeah. but they can't be so coachable that they're dependent on the wrong people for doing this. Okay. That, Does that, that make sense? No, totally. Yeah. yeah. That's, um, I feel like I, I get that too. Like you, we talked about, it's like, I didn't even put it in that context. And that's why, again, every time I talk to you, I always, all right, that makes more sense on why I have these conversations. But I've had the conversation with the guys when they come in now. And again, I couldn't do that in year one, two, three, or four. And right. I, honestly, I probably couldn't even done that in probably seven, six through seven. I don't know. But I'm more confident with my ability and what I know and how long I've been there to be able to come in and say, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to teach you a week long course on combatives. Truth is you're not going to get 90% of this, right? There's going to be about 10% and that's being well, maybe even an over little overzealous. There's about 10% you're going to pull out that makes sense to you, mm -hmm. right? That you're going to be able to put into whatever athletic portion you have in your body. The goal is that after this week you come in and understand how important this is and continue, right. continue training, right? That's really what the course is for. Mm -hmm. Mine isn't to sit there and be able to fix you in a week. That's impossible, right? But what I always say is like, you're not going to like everything I teach. You're not going to, you're not going to be ready for some of the stuff I teach. So you're not going to like that. Like you're just not ready to hear it and where you're at. Like mm -hmm. this doesn't make sense to you. But if you don't want to listen to what I have to say and you think you know everything, good for you. Cause listen, you don't have my six. I know the dudes I got my six and, and I did, this is my speech. And it's like, you know, it's like, it's not to be an asshole. It's like, I need to chin check you a little bit up front. Like you don't have to impress me. 
or you know, like, or even buy into it. I have, but you know what's happening right now? Like dudes that get this are sitting there watching you check the box, not be interested. You don't think that shit's not going to float back to <laughs> when you're sitting on a stack? Like, uh, this motherfucker. No. <laughs> so again, you know, if that's, if you want to be that dude, then be that dude. Like, you know, and we know this when people come into a combatives room, the, I don't know. And obviously I'm going to leave you this up for interpretation. You probably know what it is clinically that they do, but it's just like the posturing. It's like mm-hmm. they come in and they're like chest puffed out, shoulders right. rolled back. And then we're like, you know, and we're the polar opposite. You know, this, I got shoulder slumped, chin down, not making eye contact. And it's like, I've actually had guys come in after they, you know, come back and started training more like, bro, I'm not gonna lie to you. Like I walked in and just thought I was gonna get my ass whooped. I'm like, I'm not gonna say that that wasn't ever a thing. <laughs> no, because it has been. Yes. But we're far removed from that, dude. Yeah. It's like, you know, it's like, or the, and I was like, I just thought you guys would be assholes because you guys are fighters. I'm like, we're, we're in leadership roles and teaching roles. So maybe a, a dude that's just a fighter and that he's getting paid to do that. Yeah, that kind of assholes. Mm-hmm. That's not who I am. I'm like a dude that fought and now I'm a coach. And more importantly, I've been beat up a lot. So I don't have, like, I have a humility that you don't understand. Like, I'm not No, and I, I get that just from, just from listening to you teach. Um, most of the stuff that I know about combatives as opposed to sport, mm-hmm. I've learned either through you or from one of the guys that you've taught, right? And I can, now that I've been around it long enough, I can tell who's good, but who doesn't want to fight. Yeah. Right? Because if you, the more you learn about fighting... The more you learn about how to de-escalate stuff, because I don't really need to get into this. Right? I, my best option is to just leave you alone. If you want to fight me, like, unless I have to defend somebody that's important to me, my best option is to leave. Hey, unless I... you put me in a corner, right? Like It's like the old knife fighting class that you teach. If you've got a knife and I've got a knife and we've both voted that we're going to fight, we should both look at each other go drink a beer and pick this up again some other time. Cause we're both leaving in the mess. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Or <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Um, but that, what you're talking about is the same thing that I have to overcome. And but just from a different angle. Yeah. Right. And when I first got here, it was always like, Oh, we're just type A's. You're just going to have to get used to us. Cause we're just all type A's. We're just all type A's. We're just all type A's. And I was like, Oh, I know you. Okay. And they're like, well, type A's. I'm like, what do you, what do you, you, you know about type A's? Yeah, I'm, I know some stuff about type A's. <laughs> and they're like, well, well what, what do you mean? Well, do you want to hear the whole spiel or what do you need to know? And so that's how I, I ended up breaking a lot of barriers down was just by educating them from an academic standpoint. Like, hey, this is the type A personality. Turns out it's not really a personality. Turns out it's just a set of learned behaviors. And the only personality thing is that it's driven by this covert insecurity of status. Huh. And you had, which creates a low self-esteem. And you guys all like to do things in a hurry because you have a sense of time urgency because you've learned that if you do a lot of little stuff in a hurry, then you win compared to the guy that did one thing really well. Right. And you'll have this free floating hostility or you means you have like a short fuse, right? You got a short fuse. Oh yeah. 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 Why do you have a short fuse? Why? Because you've learned intimidation is the best way to get out of anything. Right. Makes sense. 
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I get it. Oh, and you're you're hyper aggressive, right? Because aggressive is good. Yeah, so you just overdo it and all of it is just a front to protect this insecurity that is covert. Remember that covert word? You guys know about being covert. So all of you are just walking around with your puppy chests and we go through the whole class and it's usually about an hour, hour and a half. And by the end of it, they're all like, how do you know us? Did did you get a report on us or something? (laughs) I'm like, no, man, you guys are the easiest people to pick apart ever because you're all the middle school bullies on the playground. And how do you get over, like, how do you deal with the bully on the middle school playground? When we were kids, I guess the bullies don't happen as much anymore as all internet troll stuff. But like when we were little, you became more aggressive, more angry. You punched him in the nose one time and he left you alone. Mm -hmm. Or you just stood up to him one time and he left you alone forever because he didn't want to fight you either. But this insecurity that he couldn't let anybody know he had, the easiest way to defend that is to posture your way out of it, right? Yeah. And one of the first books I was told to read I, when I went going through the PhD program, I was the youngest one of the three of us that were all kind of doing this together. And I was 32. There was a Marine who was in the Marines for 24 years. Great role model for me. Um, he said, you should read on killing. Right. Yeah. Uh, all right. Like I trust this guy. He's done the combat thing and 24 years in the Marine Corps from infantryman to major, like, He's been through the gamut. He's done all this stuff. And he's just a really solid human being. Yeah. And so when he tells me, like, I should do this, then I listen. Yeah. So I read the book. And then I got here, and I learned that that book's not always that favorable because Grossman opens the book with, I've never done any of this. Yeah. I'm like, all right, I've never done any of this either. So I can connect with this. Yeah. But when guys say, oh, you know, on killing is garbage because he never did any of that. And I'm like, well, okay. But he's the only one that sat down and thought it all out. Yeah. And my experience is I've got, I've been, I don't know, fortunate or opportunity or whatever, but I've met guys that are in that insecurity stage. And then as they get out, they start to gravitate back towards us a little bit yeah and because they're starting to come like one of the best things that i learned early was we're all just paying rent we know that the mortgage is due but we're all just kicking the can down the road paying rent we don't really want to deal with this and when they have to deal with it they start to unpack a lot of this stuff and they start to think about it and like we were talking about some guys earlier and they've both gone through that yeah right because both of those guys were super type a super aggressive super insecure right and that's a those traits aren't inherently bad, right? Because there's a reason that they got to the level that they got to, and it's usually because of those traits, right? But, and one of the things I always tell them is like, those traits make you who you are. But if you think about all the times you've really been in trouble, it's because of the same behaviors, Yeah. right? So it's not like, let's make this as value neutral as possible and just start to understand the world for what it is. And then let's make some decisions about threats and challenges and, good and bad and all that stuff. Grossman's thoughts on fight or flight, right? Which is what you deal with all the time. Yeah. Right. The first one is flight. The second one is posture. The third one is submit. The fourth one is fight. Right. Roll that through again. One more time, doc. The first one is flight. Yep. If we can leave, we'll leave. The second one is posture. Yeah. Right. 
if we can posture our way out of it, it's a version of flight, but I'm going to, I'm not just going to run away from you because I'm scared of you. I'm going to intimidate you into leaving, leaving the conflict, yeah. right? Without any fighting happening. The third one is submit. I'm just going to give up. Yep. You're right. I'm going to join your side. If I can't beat him, join him. Yeah. The fourth one, when we don't have, we've exhausted those three options, then we'll go to fight. Yeah. And so your typical type A guy that comes in with a puffy chest that is really like worried about getting his ass kicked in the first day on combatives because you're going to be an asshole. He's on that second level. He's still posture. He's just posturing. Yeah. Right. But he's not posturing t- to intimidate you. He is, but he's really posturing to protect himself. Yeah. Right. Because he doesn't want to look like a pussy getting his ass kicked. Yeah. Um, so from a, if we strip that out and make a parallel to coaching and teaching and learning, then we just have to get them to submit to learning. Yeah. That's it. And then we can teach them how to fight. And the more they learn how to fight, the more they go back to flight. Right? Yeah. Because the guys that I know that are that can handle themselves the most in a hand-to-hand or like some close-range stuff like that you and I are going to get into here in the next week or so, <laughs> the guys that are most competent in that are the first ones to leave. Yeah. Right? If their backs are against the wall, like, I don't want anything to do with them. I don't want anything to do with them. Yeah. Right. But they know that there's more risk in fighting you than there is in de-escalating you. Yeah. Way more risk. Because once we open that Pandora's box, things get out of hand. Like I didn't, I didn't grow up fighting. I grew up wrestling. I grew up playing baseball. I grew up playing football. I loved all of it. But as a, as I transitioned into like the coach teacher role, right? Coaching coach for six years at a junior college level. We were pretty good, but it's junior college. I taught there for six years, teaching adult stress management, taught at the university level for a couple of years. And now I'm, I still consider myself teaching and coaching here. Um, I've met a lot of people that dealt with a lot of stuff in their life. And I've known more than a handful that have their lives got ended really fast. Yeah. Not literally, but like we had a kid on the baseball team and his, it was a cousin of a kid. Then it's like, Hey coach, can this kid play? Can you give him a shot? He just got out of jail. I'm like, what? No, we don't recruit convicts here, man. Yeah. Like, no, what are you talking about? What did, why was he in jail? He's, he's 20. Well, when he was in high school, this kid was picking on him or he was picking on whatever. They got in a fight and he punched the kid and the kid took a step back and tripped and hit his head on the parking curb and died. And so he did three years for manslaughter. It's like, I bet he wasn't like, that's not a good fighter. A good fighter thinks about that kind of stuff first. Right. And one of the guys that we have in common is, is Z and Z always talks like as Z got older and as I got, or maybe as I got to know him better, one of the two probably a combination of both. He always talked about his triangle, right? There's a threat, there's the environment, and there's a target, right? So if you're paying attention, you're the target. If you're paying attention to the environment and the threat, then you're never the victim, Yeah. right? But when you're young and insecure and trying to prove yourself and going 100 miles an hour, being the type A guy that's going to do all these successful things and learn it. Like there's a lot of consequences that you're not even aware of. Yeah. And that's a, that's a lesson that I've been taught by the guys that go do some pretty intense shit for real. Yeah. 
And the question that I haven't been able to answer for those guys yet is how do I teach somebody that hasn't been through that, that lesson? Is that, yeah, this is, this is what you signed up for and this is what everybody's training for and this is what everybody wants to go do. But when that first round is fired, shit changes. Like, yeah. this isn't cool anymore. We can get you to, and I, I go with this, like, when fighting. I'm like, I can never get you to the true essence of what it feels like to fight until mm -hmm. I punch you in the face. Right. Now, I can, we have a little bit better. Again, I, I can put gloves on you and a mask and punch you and get you to a certain level, but it's still not that level. Right. Right. And I think, you know, you can do simulated shooting and other stuff like that to get that heightened up. But to, to get to that real level, it's an, you just have to experience it to truly, I feel to truly understand. It's like, man, I can tell you what it's like to be in a fight, but you got to be in a fight. Yep. I, I, if you really want to know what it's like, I'm just going to have some random dude walk and punch you in the face and let's go because everything I taught you is going to go out the door in the first 30 seconds <laughs> because you're like, oh, this is really happening. Right. And that's where that, that saying on the board, you never rise to the occasion. You follow the level of your training. There's a lot of truth in that. Yeah. Right. And that's where that, like my goal is always to get them to that submit phase so that, okay, I don't know everything there is to know. And I can get over some of my insecurities and submit to that and learn something so that my training is going to shorten that fall as much as possible. And I think like, you know, when you talk about that submit phase, the way that you're getting to that submit phase is more, I feel like psychological than inform informative. Absolutely. Like, you know, like if I, yeah, I can have all the knowledge in the world, but if that presentation is off in any bit, I'm never going to get you to that submit phase. And for me, and it's like, I always go with this one of the big things that come out and tell the guys is no one is undefeated in fighting <laughs> that, right. that doesn't exist. Even the undefeated, undefeated boxer is not undefeated in training. I can promise you that. Mm -hmm. Right. So we all understand what failure is like, you're going to fail at a lot of this stuff. If there was, if like fighting was so simple, like you guys think it is get one week and I'm going to be amazing. There'd be like six moves to do. Truth is, I can't account for everyone's difference. You can take three guys that are the same height, the same weight, the same body build, and they're all going to fight dynamically different. I, that's all. I can't teach that to you in a week. I can't no. teach that to you in a year. I can't teach that to you in 10 years. Right? That's going to take a long time. That's a lifetime thing. And again, how does that really happen? By true fighting. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by true fighting is putting yourself in in duressive states. And so I'm huge on competition. Mm -hmm. You know, I get a lot of people that will do jujitsu and they're like, I don't want to compete. Like, no, no, you have to go compete. Not because I want to have a million medals in my gym and, and, and boast about, you know, the champions of that. Like, give two shits about that. Right. But if I'm truly training you to understand true self-defense, I got to get you in the closest place in the world possible to what that feels like. And competition's the closest you guys are going to get to yep. even that bubble gut. Oh shit, this is bad. Right? Yep. You're a 35 year old dad with three kids living in suburban America. You're, right. you're not getting in a gunfight, boss. No, right? hopefully not. You're, you're not getting in a street fight every other week. No. But if I can get you out of that comfort zone to see that there's growth behind this, I feel like that's that's where I. And again, I my time with being around, you know, soft guys or so calm guys that has helped me become a better coach on that side. Absolutely. I, I feel like, because 
and I'm not knocking other coaches, but a lot of coaches, they have their guys compete to live vicariously through them. Yeah. Oh, you deal with kids. Yeah. Like I do little league baseball. We do travel ball, but same thing, same age group. Yeah. And I'm every year I'm yelling at the parents at some point in the game because they're yelling at the kid that's officiating that's umpiring the game. It's like, you're the grown up, be the grown up, let the kids play. Yeah. Like they need to deal with some stuff because you know what? Bad calls. It's not a baseball thing. One, this kid's making $15. He doesn't care who this, who wins. Who wins or loses. He wants this thing done in an hour so he can make 15 more dollars. Mm-hmm. Right. He doesn't care who wins and loses. Your kid's performance does not determine your ability as a parent. Right. All of that stuff is true. The, and I, this is where I've kind of like performance is performance is performance, right? This is where it's true is that if we're going to use the Grossman model and it's just one of the models that I, it's like the Rolodex in my head when people are talking to me is like, how do we get these guys to submit? If we're going to get them to an honest and genuine experience of what you're talking about as close to the real thing as possible, then we have to get them to volunteer to do that. Right. We have to set the conditions build the quote-unquote mystical culture Mm -hmm. that says, oh, yeah, I do need, I want to go do this. This is good. Like, maybe I'm not excited about it, but yeah, okay, I get it now, and I'm going to volunteer because we can force people to to compete, and they're just going to go get beat up, right? That's the old military failure-based training. We're going to set this up so that you can't win, so that you learn how to suck. All right, cool. So you're training guys to take a beating. You're not teaching them how to fight. You're just teaching them how to get beat up. Right. They've got to volunteer in like in their head. This has to be their idea and they have to have a chance to win. They have to have a chance to win. Whether you set it up that they can win or not, they have to believe that they have a chance to win and their first strategy can't work. Their first strategy cannot work. That's your job as the coach. That's your job as the trainer. That's your job as the, as the instructor is that you're going to set the conditions so that their first strategy doesn't work. So that they have to switch a strategy. Because now we're yeah. talking about things like toughness and resilience and grit and all that stuff, right? If you think about the way that most guys that, that we work with at work, and kids are too, probably not old enough or mature enough to really grasp this concept yet, but the guys at work are. are. And they'll talk about, well, there's some things you can control and some things you can't, right? Like, focus on the things you control. Focus on the things you can control. If we really boil that down, there's only two things in the world that you control. And we learned this from POWs, right? Attitude and effort. Deliberate choice to think and act about the things in front of you. Attitude. And expenditure of mental and or physical power as means to an end. Effort. Those are the only two things that you can control. That means you're a victim of everything else at some point. Yeah. And guys don't like to hear that. That V word is a bad word, right? Nobody likes to be a victim. So I learned this through some like stoic philosophy stuff that I've kind of gravitated towards. But there's three things in the world. Let's consider three things. The things we can't control, the things we can, and the things we can't control but we can influence. Yeah. Right? And that's what fighting is. That's what wrestling is. Mm-hmm. Right? Is I can't control what you're going to do. You can't control what I'm going to do. But we can influence each other, yeah. right? And really good, re- the really good wrestlers that I've had the experience of wrestling with is they're playing chess, right? I'm going to push you around just to see what your reaction is. I'm going to keep that in my 
data bank and then I'm going to change elevations. I'm going to see what you're going to do. And then I'm going to use your energy to move you and not use my energy to move you. Right. I'm going to set something up and then I'm going to counter your counter and counter your counter. And eventually I'm two steps ahead of you and I'm just waiting for the next time you push back into me and it's done. Right. If we're going to think about, if we're going to talk about mental toughness with soft guys, they've already demonstrated that they have mental toughness that yeah. is better than the general population. They've demonstrated it twice, probably. Yeah. yeah. Um, and twice and, at the minimum and been evaluated, like formally evaluated. Yeah. So, your basic mental toughness stuff is they're like, yeah, okay, whatever we got it. All right, cool. So what does it really mean to be tough? What does it mean to be tough in a combatives gym? What does it mean to be tough behind a sniper rifle? What does it mean to be tough in a assault? Those are three different versions of toughness, right? Because if you're in, if you're behind glass on, on a sniper gun, your general conception of toughness, you can't do any of that stuff. You're hiding, right? But you have to be focused and you have to be able to do the math and you have to be able to see the wind and you have to be able to make those adjustments and you have to think about a 360 degree environment and you have, that's a different, it's still toughness, right? Yeah. But it's about focus. It's yeah. about concentration. It's about those kind of things. I've used this example before, but people talk about two things, two animal analogies, right? Um, when I was first got there, I was asking them, you know, when you guys go out to do a mission, like, what do you do to get warmed up? Do you do like, you know, you stretch it out, you do some like, you know, like in a gym, like if you're going to go to a jujitsu competition, you're not just going to like, <clears throat> I guess it's my turn and just walk out on the mat and go, right? Like you're going to go get loose and get warmed up and get a good sweat going, right? So I was asking them, they just laughed at me like I was an idiot. They're like, lions don't stretch before they hunt. I'm like, okay. But <laughs> they do stretch every time they sit down and stand up. So they don't have to stretch when the gazelle runs by. Yeah. Right? They're already, they're always ready at some yeah. level, right? So that part of it changes it. Like, oh, if you're going to be tough, then are you always prepared? Or are you just paranoid? Yeah. Right? There's a difference between that. Like that quiet confidence of the guy that's not worried about you because I'm just ready. Yeah. That's that's a different level. You're talking about 80-20. Like that's the 20 percenters yeah. in my head. The other animal example is like everybody respects a tiger. Right? I have the tiger, whether you're doing the rocky thing and like kind of the, the literal or the figurative thing or you're really getting into the literal thing. It's like the tiger is the biggest cat, right? Yeah. It's super aggressive, big, strong, jumps over elephants. Like there's stories about tigers. Everybody gets enamored. If you get a tattoo of a tiger, what does it look like? Big claws, big teeth, tiger. Yeah. That's not what feeds a tiger, bro. Yeah. The tiger gets fed by being sneaky in the woods, right? The tiger gets fed by being patient. The tiger gets fed by setting the conditions. The tiger gets fed by not getting caught, right? If you think about what yeah. feeds the tiger, tiger ain't running anything down. Well, when you named all three of those scenarios, like the older version of me, it's like, I think I kind of have this calm, observant. Mm -hmm. I think no matter what, in those three scenarios that you popped out, calm and observant puts me in a position to win. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, but you asked 20 year old Ray, murder, death, kill. Murder, death, kill. <laughs> when are we going to get to the murder, death, kill? Yeah. Hey, Ray, we're doing all this 
base touch frame, like blah, 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 yeah. blah. When are we going to get to the murder-death kill? Yeah. Well, we're trying to avoid the murder-death kill part by doing the base frame touch Listen, thing. I had this conversation with Aerial Group because they were like, you know, we don't want our guys fighting. I'm like, I, then we're not like we're not on the same sheet of music, right. because everything I do, I was like, I'm I'm an oxymoron. I'm trying to teach you to fight so you never have to fight. Right. That is truly what I'm doing. Like when it comes to the kit, like, and again, we we, we flip the context, right? Mm-hmm. During the daytime, when where I'm where I'm working with you know the SOCOM guys, what am I doing? I'm literally teaching you the same thing I'm going to teach that kid, but under different verbiage, right? Yep. I'm going to like, yo, listen, I'm with every bit of this that I'm teaching you, you can walk out of a scenario. But the truth is I'm going to teach you more about de-escalation because once you know how to fight, you make better decisions. I always go with that. Like who, who makes poor decisions? The guy that doesn't know how to fight. Mm-hmm. Because we go back to that fight, flight or fight scenario, and then the, the two innards in that, right? But you see it. Yeah. That, like in our worlds, we see it way more prevalent. And again, obviously, you know, I, I like how do I get kids to understand how important that? How do I get a, adults on the civilian side to understand what I'm teaching over there? Because the truth is, 99% of what I'm teaching over there doesn't is not relevant to your world. You're right. not. You're not a soldier. You're not. You're not doing in bad places that you're not supposed to be in. But how do I get you there? I need to get you to understand that the more confident you become with your ability to train, your ability to handle things, the better assessments you make, the easier it is for you to walk out. Because you have a better understanding of the consequences. Yeah. And you can predict them better, right? And that's the confidence lesson is... And it's the risk lesson, right? The risk lesson that I always use is if you walk into the gym... At 7 o'clock in the morning, the commander, the boss, is going to be in there. And if you walk in and just unannounced, don't say any words, just punch him in the face. Is that a risky decision? <laughs> and everybody's like, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh. I'm like, nope, zero risk. They're like, what do you mean zero risk? I went with risk. Yeah, yeah. because that's the, that's the common perception, right? Yeah. That's risk. It's not risk because with certainty, you know the consequences of that action. One, you're going to have a fight on your hands, and two, you're going to be in trouble. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. You can predict that perfectly. Okay. Risk is where we, we have three courses of action going through our head, and we're trying to predict what's going to happen. What are the consequences going to be? Right? And if we can't predict the consequences, now we have risk. Because now we don't know what to do. That's where we get freeze. You've seen guys freeze in those scenarios, right? We're, I think we're both on this same sheet, yep. that, you see, that, this, you, that, this scenario, yep. the knock on the door. Yep. You see those guys freeze, and if I punch you in the face right now, and the knock on the door one, if, they just, if you answer the door, what? What do you want? And they just punch you in the face. They're, that's why they don't punch you in the face, because they don't know what's about to happen. They can't predict it, yeah. right? But if I decide to just walk into the walk into the office and punch my boss in the face, I know I'm getting fired. There's no risk there. That's confidence, right? Ability to predict outcome, right? And so if we start talking about ability to predict the outcome, now we can start to train, Yeah. right? Because this is the problem that most guys in our professional world, but our kids have a problem with too, is that once we get focused on the consequences, the winning and losing, right? The success and failure, that's what takes us out of the process that we've been training. That's what that's what makes that fall farther. 
Yeah. Right. Is that we're not executing the things that we've practiced anymore because we're worried about particularly the negative consequences because our brains are really good at going to that worst case scenario real fast. And in the, the SOCOM guys, that's a good thing. We should probably let that fly a little bit longer. Uh, right? For but sure. With the kids, we need to squash that. Because what's the worst thing that's going to happen if you go out there and strike out three times in this game or walk everybody on the yard or make the mistake that loses the game? What's like, we're all going to love you. Yeah. Like I tell them they're eight from eight to 11 to 12 is usually the range that I've been coaching and tell them all the time. I don't care if you win all the games or if you lose all the games, I've already won and lost all the games I'm going to win. This is yours. My job is to put you in the situation where you have to learn how to do those things. Yeah. Right. And so we're going to practice really hard and I'm going to be hard on you and I'm going to try to push you and push you and push you with in reason for an eight year old. Right. But some coaches don't understand if that. If you're though. like, I've tell them, like, I don't care. You can cry the whole time. Nobody's going to make fun of you. Nobody's going to get after, nobody's going to point and laugh at you. You can cry your way through the entire practice. I don't care. The one thing that you can't do is quit trying. Yeah. That's the rule. That's it. Right? And we <clears> talk <throat> about how do we spell win? W-I-N. What's important now? That's how we spell win. Yeah. My 10-year-old baseball team, if I say, how do we spell win? What's like important? robots. What's important now? What's important now? What's important now? Because in the first, like, the baseball example, and I, you could probably, you'll, I know you can talk jujitsu better than this, but the baseball example is, if you're, what's the difference between hitting with the bases loaded and two outs in the first inning and in the ninth inning? And the game's probably on the line in the ninth. But that's that's in theory. And yeah, I mean that's the that's the common perception, right? Yeah. That's the eighty percenters' response. Well, the game's on the line in the ninth. Yeah. Like it's all like you have to come through. But the 20 percenters like, well, if you come through in the first, then the game's not on the line in the ninth. (laughs) Love it. Right? Yeah. Like I heard you talking on on one of your earlier episodes about the first 30 seconds. Yeah. The first 30 seconds, you got to have a plan. The first 30 seconds, you got to have a plan. Right? And then you want to go back to the the line doesn't stretch before he runs or before he hunts. Then why is there first 30 seconds? First inning is just important as the last, boys. Yeah. The game, there's no time limit in this thing, right? The game's called 18 outs because they play six innings, mm-hmm. right? When I was coaching in college, the game was called 27 outs. Whoever takes care of their outs the best wins, right? Yeah. So yeah. when we're out there practicing, the first thing you do at a baseball practice is what? Play catch, yeah. Yeah. right? We're not at my practice, you don't, because the only way we can get out is by throwing and catching the baseball. Therefore, this skill is the most important skill that we will work on ever. If we can't catch and throw the baseball, then we can't play baseball. Yeah. Right? And from I've got 0% jiu-jitsu knowledge other than what I've been beat up with. Right? <laughs> but some of that basic stuff <clears throat> is, is the same thing that we're going to run into in the next couple of weeks. Why are we doing this stupid? Like, we're, we're the advanced guys. Why are we doing this really basic stuff? It's like, because if you can't play catch, you can't play baseball. Yeah. That's why, because yeah. you don't understand the game, right? And so a lot of the, in the sports psychology world, I probably get accused of going quote unquote native, right? Because I'm supposed to be the, the sports psychology guy and not the, the teaching them specific stuff. But we're dealing with a pretty unique population, 
right? They've already demonstrated mental toughness. So like your basic mental toughness stuff, they'll get you laughed out of the room. Yeah. They're really intelligent. Not always the most educated, but really intelligent. They can figure stuff out. They can see through shit. They know if you're full of shit or not. They know if you're patronizing them, they, they get it. Yeah. Right. And so if we don't put things in context and we don't push their, what, what I used to call sport IQ, cause I was a sport guy, but now I just call it domain IQ. Yeah. Right. If you don't understand your domain IQ enough, that's where your mental game breaks down is because you ran out of strategies. And if you run out of strategies, you're a victim, yeah. right? And so if we're going to talk about being mentally tough in a competition jiu-jitsu or in a combatives using jiu-jitsu or, or MMA style, or if we're going to talk about being behind a sniper rifle or in a direct assault or whatever we're doing, if we don't know how to come up with more strategies, if our first strategy fails and we can't come up with and diagnose the problem and come up with more strategies on the fly, then that's where our mental toughness breaks down. It's not about being, I'm hard, never quit, always go, be hard, never quit, always go, never quit, never quit, never quit, never quit. Like, got it. Quitting is bad for us until it's not. Yeah. Right? And so if we're really going to get into mental toughness with the 20 percenters, we're talking about domain IQ. We're talking about putting these things in context. Putting them together. Yep. And so the the way that I've framed it, I stole it from the leadership literature, is that we're going to train the tasks, isolated tasks, and then we're going to put those tasks in context, right? So I'm going to teach you how to draw your, I'm not going to teach you. Drew is going to teach you how to draw your pistol. That's a task, mm-hmm. right? And then we're going to give, and then we're going to teach you how to hold a gun. And then we're going to teach you how to aim the gun. And we're going to teach you how to squeeze the trigger just right and do all that, all those isolated tasks. And when we put all those isolated tasks together, we've got eight fundamentals generally, right? As per military. Yeah. Then we're going to stack those fundamentals on top of each other and make that one skill, one task, right? Now that you know how to shoot the gun, you know how to get it out of your holster, you know how to shoot the gun. Why do you need to do that? When do you need to do that? How fast do you need to do that? We're going to put it in context. So we're going to train the task. Then we're going to train it in context. And then we're going to train all those skills, task, context, task, context, until we have a set, right? Then we're going to put you in this creative situation, the stress shoot, in which you're going to encounter a bunch of different problem sets. And the person who picks the best skills, the best tasks, is going to win. Yeah. It can't be a PT test, right? Now we're just doing PT tests. If it's like, oh, run a mile and then shoot this gun, that's a PT test, bro. That doesn't have anything to do with your ability to be tough with a gun in your hand, right? But that's but that's the thought process. That's the thought process, but that's just because that's what they've always done. Yeah. So that's what that's the only thing that they that, know. that word is always there. So right? always that's the way we've always done we've it. We've always it's done it that way. way. It's in the manual. Okay, cool. But <laughs> that's the answer. Like you're asking me all these questions about how to get better. That's the answer. Yeah. And so if we put a kid in, the, we can do the same thing with a kid without making it about murder, death, kill. Yeah. Right. Hey, I'm gonna teach you how to hold a baseball bat. I know how to hold a baseball bat. I want to be able to hit the ball over the fence. You got to know how to hold that I first. I know how to hold a bat. We need to teach you how to transfer your weight. We need to teach you how to run. We need to teach you how to do this stuff. And then we'll all put a ball in a tee and we'll teach you how to swing. Right? So and I then, think where like our worlds like differ, you know, mm-hmm. from like maybe a kid doing baseball and a kid doing jujitsu. Mm-hmm. Is I feel like when it's a non-combat sport or non-contact sport, 
you tend to see an individual grow their growth be a little bit longer where like in jujitsu football wrestling you know if you don't put your hands exactly right here that pain that you just felt is going to be all the time so i feel like the learning tier is a little bit different yeah then and and that's the context part of it right yeah. but that's why i like that model is because i love it i don't describe the context you did yeah what sport are we doing or what activity are we doing yeah, basketball right rocket, yeah like and your kids in school and they're doing this common core math where they're drawing boxes and making lines and circles and stuff that you and i are, it's like might as well be written in Chinese. It is. For I have me. no idea what they're talking about, but I get the concept of what they're doing. They're just trying to get number lines, trying to get Bro. sets of tens. I got to tell you a real quick story about my daughter. This is <laughs> hilarious. One day my wife comes home and she's like, you need to help Gabby out with her math. So I'm like, okay, all right, I'm good at math. Well, I was good at the math I learned in 1970-ish. <laughs> I'm not going to mm -hmm. go to it. So anyways, she pulls out. And lays this thing out in front of me. I'm like, what? The? What? What's a, what's a, what's an array? Mm -hmm. I literally pulled my phone off to the side and I'm Googling array. And my daughter goes, dad, are you Googling array? And I'm like, <laughs> yep. uh, yes, I am. Do you want help or not? <laughs> I could see her total confidence level in me <laughs> just went to garbage. And I was like, but see, now you're guilty of doing the same thing you were just talking about, right? Is that I'm, I learned this from being at work with the SOCOM guys because I had the same exact experience. My 10-year-old came home with math. He wasn't 10 at the time, but he came home with math, and he started laying all this out, and I was like, no idea what you're doing. Yeah. He's like, you don't know how to do this? And I said, no, teach me. What's the circle mean? What's the line mean? Task. Give me the task. Yeah. Right. And then once he got the task down, like, I'm, we're not stupid. We just don't know what we're looking at. All right. So now I understand the task. Okay. Now I get what they're doing. How do we put it in context? He's like, what do I have to learn this? What do I have to draw all these lines? What do I have to do this? I'm like, because if you understand that 10 ones equals 10, then you can count to a hundred. Yeah. I can't count to a hundred. Well, yeah, you can. And now you understand multiplication. What's What if I had two groups of 10? How many do you have? Well, I have 20. Well, what's two times 10? I don't know. You have two groups. Count them. Yeah. Oh, and like now he starts to get it, right? But I used to do the same thing. I used to get frustrated. Like, why aren't you understanding it my way? Why aren't you understanding it my way? Why aren't you understanding it my way? And one of the things I learned from dealing with these knuckleheads is teach me. Well, you teach me. This. She did. Like that was, yeah, I, I literally no, was like, absolutely. I was like, oh, babe, I don't know. I was like, that's not the way I learned math. And she's like, well, this is what an array does. And I'm like, oh, oh okay. okay. I, I can figure that yeah. one out. Easy. But I had, but initially I was like, What's <laughs> I literally went from like, bro, I'm good at math to like I'm watching no my daughter just go, mom, help, help. <laughs> so yeah, totally. And that's crazy. No, anyways, I had to tell the secrets. No, but it, it's so the same. And, and that's the thing that, that's one of the reasons that I keep pushing it is because it, it hasn't failed me yet. It's failed me. I haven't explained it very well on the fly a couple times. Yeah. And guys are like, well, I don't know what you're talking about. It sounds complicated. It's really not that complicated. It's what you do on a flat range. Yeah. You're going to start, every flat range starts with loading and unloading. And everybody's like, oh man, like we're, we're 
special. We don't. We all know how to load our guns. Well, then why do you do it every day? Well, because they say we have to. Well, why do they say you have to? Like, what's the task? The task is loading and unloading. Okay, but why? What context would this benefit you? Well, when you go to a foreign country and you have to teach somebody and they don't trust you, they don't know you, but you stand up there and you can own this thing and you look like an expert. Yeah. That's why. Yeah. And because we need to know the condition of your weapon. No, I think that's, you know, again, when we go back to the old, the military still works I, sometimes in the school of hard knocks. Yep. And it drives me crazy because in the fight world, there's nothing learned in just getting your ass whooped. Nope. But it, and I feel like the, some of that school of hard knocks where, I don't know, maybe it works in your world. I'm not in your world, and I, I just don't see how it does. Like, I, I don't, but I mean, maybe if it works in your world, it does. But I can tell you, in combatives, if I don't teach this guy at least the basics and the, how to process the basics, he is going to come out of that scenario with double fingers up and we are no longer, again, we have not won him over. Mm -mm. He's out. I'm never going to get that guy back. And again, what's he going to do? He's going to go to talk to 10 dudes and talk about how this course was. <laughs> and then, you know, then we go down that whole, you know, list of like, all right, now the combatives room is a place where you go get hurt. So I'm not, again, I've all like when I walked in and when I first got there, that was the mentality. Right. The mentality it, was like, it was absolutely the mentality. We just, we just hammer people through the walls and those that survive, survive. And those that don't murder, death, kill, right. Yep. They're out. So, you know, again, I, I throw the murder, death, kill out there all the time. Cause everyone thinks that's what we're doing. I'm like, I'm going to prepare you for the worst case scenario in hopes that it never happens. Mm -hmm. But in order to prepare you for the worst case scenario, I'm one piece of the equation. What's the worst case scenario? Dying, which means if I am presented in that situation, I'm not preparing you for a sport anymore. And again, I go back to this when I'm learning there, and then I, I, I those have to blend over, but it's like, I'm one piece of the equation. You better know how to shoot. You better be, like we better be in courses that teach medical. We better be in courses that teach psychology, how to walk through that. That's not me. Right. I can walk you through Ray's version of psychology. Yep. Right. This is what makes me click. This is what makes me go. But I'm not the guy. Like again, those for me. Remember with the, with the, the dots I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. Those just don't interact enough. And that's what I'm like a full piece material is this. And again, I have to put you in as close of a position to open your eyes to want to train. Again, like when we talk about that. You got guys that have truly killed dudes in hand-to-hand -hand combat, and I'm not that guy, right? Everyone assumes I'm that guy. I'm like, no, I just never had to kill anyone in hand-to-hand -hand combat, and I hope I never have to. Mm -hmm. But I have this knowledge that's going to get me pretty close, right? And, and be, have me more prepared than the 80% that are out there, and probably more prepared than that 20, right? Yep. So, but how do I get you there? Like I have to, we have to put you through this thing. And then I do have to put you under duress, but I can't put you in a course where you were subject to fail day one without any knowledge. I just feel like there's no learning that comes after that. And I think there's probably still some value of the school of hard knocks. I think there's some real value in it. It's so incredibly inefficient, but there is some value of just learning how to suffer. Yeah. Right. Especially in a team group in a team dynamic 
if we're all suffering together, we're going to come together pretty fast because once we fatigue it out, it's pretty easy to break down the insecurities and then we can have our little bitch session and we can have our temper tantrum and all of us will be doing it together, but we still have to move forward and we can really bond some people together that way. There's a better way to do it. And I think the real genius in some of the approaches I've seen you take is, and I've tried to emulate that and it sounds like you've tried to, to share some of the things that I've, I've tried to do is I get accused of doing the Jedi mind trick all the time, right? Like, well, what Jedi mind trick you have for us today? <coughs> and like, if it's a Jedi mind trick, bro, you don't know it's happening. Yeah. That's the whole point, right? But it happened with a shooting drill that I came up with. It happens in the a lot of the a lot of the course stuff that I work with in the internal schools and stuff is we have to set the conditions so that guys will submit, and that's the Jedi mind trick. And we're going to sell it one way so they don't even know it's happening, right? There's no wrong answers here. There's no wrong answers here. I'm never going to tell you that you're wrong. Because we need you to be willing to do what you're just going to do so that you can have that experience. But more importantly, you're volunteering to have that experience, thinking that you're doing the best thing that's possible. And then as soon as it's done, we're going to be like, right on, dude. Busted your ass. You worked really hard. That was great. Did you think about x y z a b c oh shit no that didn't even occur oh man oh i'm that guy and they have this like you can see the light bulb turn on yeah and then you see them in the next go and it's they're a different dude and they're a different guy every scenario and then like three days of that you can just see them go through the roof and it's a really good situation and we've had this i've had this conversation with several leaders of the schools from time to time where it's like oh man really want them to I really want this last hit to go really well so they leave here thinking that they really know this stuff. And I'm like, I don't think that's the best case. Mm-mm. Like, the last hit should be hard. The last should, thing, it should be a culminating event. It should be difficult. But If it, they earn it, cool. But it, no, I'm not going to set it up to where my guys just fall over. And what are we walking out with? False sense. Now, make, right. like, if we trained right, we're going to be able to throw stuff at them. They're not going to be perfect. But they're going to walk out here but if i dumb it down for you that's silliness right and the other side of that is i don't want you to walk out of here thinking that your teeth for trained done like i want you to walk out of here thinking like man three weeks ago there's no way we could have done this and now we know enough to know that we don't know enough right and we have to keep working this out like on our own we're going to take some ownership in this because i've got enough out of this that i feel like i've I've got some power in the universe now, yeah. but I've got enough power in the universe to know that oh, I've got a lot of work to do. Yeah. That's right? a cool, uh, dude. I know that I don't know. I think that's like, that's the eye opener for all. And it always has been for me. We always talk, it's like, I'm continually progressing the way I, like I was like, the way I taught this certain course, you know, in, in 2010 is not the way I'm teaching this course now. Like I have had to evolve just like you guys have to evolve. Like the mission set has evolved. Right. And who knows, we may back be back here soon. Right. Back to, to, to a different world where, Oh no, now these guys are really kicking down doors and doing mm-hmm. some crazy stuff. Right. Um, uh, truth is from what I see, and this is personal, I, you know, I'm like, I don't know if we're, I don't know if we're ready there. I don't know either. I but don't know if we're ready. I, I, I want to get us there. You know, and that's our job. Yep. You know, our job is like, I always tell guys like, 
I get to work with some of the coolest people in the world. Yes. I, people just don't know I get to work with them. Right. Right. And it's like, I was explaining our, our course that, that we worked together with. And it's like, dude, these guys got monitors hooked up to them. Doc Seth's walking behind them with his iPad and they're just, you know, and, and listen, we're putting him in, even for that type of mentality, we are putting him in some of the most stressful, like, oh crap scenarios off the get go. Mm-hmm. Right. And like, they, but these guys are trained enough to a certain point. They might not be the best trained, but they're trained enough to, to kind of most of the time, let's say 99% of the time, be able to kind of like not fuck this up. <laughs> right. But we get the one, the one percent that you're like, more. like, oh, 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 Lord. All right. Well, I'm, I'm going to really have to work with you. Right. Mm-hmm. But why are they bad? 90, 90% of the time they're, they're pretty brand new. Yeah, because so they haven't been taught. They haven't been taught anything. So it's like this is a great learning yeah. tool. And I feel like that course has so many different learning tools. Lots of them. It's, it's, it is the one course where I feel like we're... We're getting there. We're blending. Yep. You know, like it, I just, I truly feel like that is the one course where it's like we're getting... The only thing that I see that we're amiss there is the medical portion of it. What if we're right. not the coolest dude? What if we did take it? You know, what if our partner did to take a sustained injury? Now, how does that change up the dynamics yeah. of how my thought process goes through? Cause that's different now. Yep. We weren't the biggest and baddest. We, we did, we did do things, but you're cut up, you're stabbed, you're shot. How are we transitioning to that? So like that to me, that's the one missing piece Right. that I feel is just like needs that's to be piece there. That's really hard. It and you know, <clears throat> really hard to replicate and make it genuine. So, or is I, that like I, the rest of that is really a, like we're talking about this task creative con or task <clears throat> context creative thing, and that's what we're doing there, yeah. and that's by design as much as I could influence it yeah. by design. But I'll tell you where I did see it though. I t- so you know, a couple of, well, it's more than that. Five years ago, I went out to Germany and worked with 10th group, mm-hmm. right? Um. And they, it was a six week long course. I wasn't involved in any of their stuff. My stuff was, you know, three to four hours every morning for five weeks. I got these guys on combatives seven. I think there were 70 something dudes in the course, but they were also going through all some other, you know, all their other things. And they had accumulated event at the end <clears throat> and I'll use, you know, we'll, we'll just using fighting out of the back of vehicle. I won't say it one context. Right. But we had them come in and put a t-shirt on. All right. They didn't know why. Why, why do I have a white t-shirt on? Uh, we had a medic on the other side that had fake blood. So mm-hmm. anyways, the fight ensues. We index it. And as I'm indexing it, he starts spraying this dude in the shoulder. You're bleeding. Because they just got in that huge altercation fight, you could see for about a good three to five seconds. The pu- the, well, the, Is it real? The, oh, oh, like, mm-hmm. Tourniquet. What are you doing? What are you doing? Mm-hmm. Right? So I... And I don't know if, again, I, like you say, it's, it's hard replicable. And I've talked to lots of dudes like, man, it's just so hard to put that in there. And I'm yeah. like, but I did, no, see that's a portion, idea. I did see a portion of it where I did see guys literally for three seconds, like, and you, you at the, you know, it's like an index, you know, like, bro, I, I thought I was cut. All yeah. the, I panicked. Right. You know, it took me a second. And then by then I was so shaky that trying to put that tourniquet on, I couldn't bring myself back down mm-hmm. to like, oh, like, that's not real. He's like, my arms were still moving like it was real. And, you and that's kind it. of the magic of it is that it's 30 seconds. Yeah. And then it's over. And then once the word gets out, it's like, okay, now we have to reinvent the wheel. And so, we have to evolve it. And, but I've had the same experience so with we, the simulator. We didn't let them go back in. 
Okay. They yeah. had, they were, they, they got to go to breakfast. Right. So it was like, you know, that was like, all right, you're done. Go to breakfast. Boom, you're done. So no one got to go in and go, why do we have white shirts on? Right. No one got to walk in with blood on their shirt and go, <laughs> oh, okay. Got it. And yeah. Obviously, and they can, I get that, but they did have that together in a certain aspect. But again, not like not flying off the wheel. It's like, I tell you guys, like in that course, dude, they're learning everything. And, and it, I, it, you know, I don't get to see it all. Like I, I do my portions, you know, and then I'm like, I get to see the fighting portion mm-hmm. of it, but there's a lot of mental stuff going in there that, yep. that I, 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 maybe it's being tracked. Maybe it, it, I don't know if it, it is a trackable thing, but you got to imagine what these guys are going through. Most of these guys come into that course and you know that I would say, and I hate using percentages, but I'm just going to use it anyways. Over 90% of those guys don't know how to fight. Nope. I'd agree. That's probably th- pretty conservative. We can say 50% are pretty proficient in their side at the, not on their long rifle. Nope. No, but you know that they're probably very proficient there, mm-hmm. but I see a 50% like non-proficiency rate from a concealed point. Yep. Most of them, because of the alpha mentality are thinking that if I just puff my chest through every scenario, I'm going to be okay. Yep. It's like, there's just so much being thrown at them. And then at the end of that week, it's very seldom that I truly see someone go, I didn't learn shit off that course. No, no. And from my, from my perspective on it, the way that I looked at that when they asked me to help put that together was clear goals and feedback always wins, right? Clear goals and feedback. And they don't have clear goals very often because they have a thousand things to do and they hardly ever get <clears throat> legitimate feedback. So a lot of that stuff that you're talking about is like from to my best intentions and I'm, I'm not trying to take any credit for the success or failure of it but that was my input was we need a feedback mechanism that is going to be temporally like time related where they're still in the moment right we need to create a moment that gets a genuine reaction out of them and then we need to catch them with a with a clear goal right the scenario gives you a clear goal the course overall gives you a bigger goal, but like the individual scenarios give you a very specific goal that you're after. All right. So we need to get, create a scenario where we put enough pressure on them or we're going to get a genuine reaction out of them and then index it, feedback it, and then repeat and repeat that cycle as much as possible. Because in the military context, from what I've learned or my observation, at least is that everybody's really probably over-reliant on experience. I've got experience. I've got experience. I've got experience. All right, cool. So you've been here for a long time and you've done a lot of stuff. You've got experience, but in, I think in the real, I don't know, real world is not the right description, but I think the way that it actually works is this experience is good, but that experience and there's an education cycle that has to complete it. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's education or it's experience, education, the cycle continues experience education experience education experience education You're experience spot on. education experience education and so you were talking we were talking earlier and the thought went through my head it's like one of the things that i really had to kind of overcome when i first got there was like well we we all graduated from the course we all deserve to be here and okay but then why are you always fighting with each other about who's better than who's not because if you're all the same you're all the same right yeah and so and it just got to the point where it's like, hey, do you know what the fancy word? Because it was like, what are you going to tell us, college boy? You got all your college degrees. What are you going to tell us, college boy? And I said, do you know what the fancy word for 
graduation is? Like if you graduate from college and you're going to send announcements out or graduate from high school and you're going to send announcements out so that people will come or whatever. It's called commencement. Yeah. What is some, if you said commence, what does that mean? Beginning. Begin, right? So when you graduate from anything, whether it's a two-week-long course that you do as part of the military or you go from a white belt to the next color, I'm showing my ignorance here yeah. in the colors, but like as you develop, right, I heard you talking about you're going to get your fourth stripe on your black belt, mm -hmm. right? So every time that we graduate from something, it means that the powers that be have deemed that we are now ready to begin being whatever it is that we just graduated from. So You know, it's funny. I use this terminology with my guys when I hand them a blue belt. When you hand, like, 99% of the people you hand a blue belt to are going to feel like they're not ready for it. Mm-hmm. It's like, man, I'm not ready. I'm like, you're not. But you've done everything that I've asked you to do as a white belt. This blue belt just means you're starting the journey. And I think that's a huge thing that guys think, like, you get to a black belt, you know everything. It's like, when I got to a black belt is when I realized that I knew nothing about jujitsu. Mm -hmm. I knew my jujitsu, but I didn't know anything about jujitsu. Right. And that's when the true and that's learning the in, begins. That's the individual, your individual experience didn't really open you up to the, the jujitsu as a entity. Yeah. Right. And that, that concept of like, I've heard before I got in, involved with the military, there's in the sports psychology world that was going for a while. It's like, have a white belt mentality always have a white belt yeah. mentality, right? And that was one of the old stories from a martial arts story from a long time ago where the the master had passed away or he was on his deathbed and all the students were coming back to him and they were going to bury, and he said, bury me in my white belt. And they were like, no, we can dishonor you like that. And, da, da, da. and he's like, no, you guys are failing. You're failing. We're moving on. Like we always have to have a white belt yeah. mentality. And that goes back to if we're really going to do a good job of teaching and coaching, right, then our one of our jobs is that our students never become dependent on us, right? Like my job is <coughs> to teach to not be needed. Yeah. That's my job because I'm not going to be there with you when you go do whatever it is that you're going to go do. My job is to teach to not be needed. And so if I don't set that condition up, like we're talking about the last thing, the culminating event, if you leave there thinking that you're done, then I failed, right? But if you leave there thinking, or if you leave there thinking that you're really good at this, then I probably failed you too. Yeah. Right. But if you leave there thinking like, whoa, I'm powerful being in the universe now. And that kind of scares me. There's a lot of stuff that I don't know about this. <coughs> then I'm yeah. pretty, then I feel pretty good about what we did. Right. Because yeah, this stuff doesn't stop. And I think that's where this kind of never quit, always go you know, discipline, discipline, discipline. I don't need motivation because it doesn't matter how I feel about it today. I'm going to do it anyway because, like, bro, you're talking about really strong motivation. Yeah. That's what creates discipline. Right? There's another way to create discipline, but it's not healthy for anybody. Throw right? that out there. Well, if you think about it from a leadership standpoint, the way to create discipline <laughs> in the negative way is reward and punishment. Yeah. Right? And we know... It's been demonstrated academically in the real world in practice that if we can get people to work really hard to avoid punishment, we can work really hard. We can get people to work really hard to get some sort of reward. 
We know that. Okay. Demonstrated in animals, in people, all ages, all contexts, it works really well. Until what? Until it doesn't. Until the regulatory condition, the one that gives the reward or in- enforces the punishment, is gone. And then they're just going to go do whatever they want to do because they're free. Right? And so we can create discipline that way. It doesn't work very well. Right? It's not, it, it burns pretty hot, but it burns pretty short. Yeah. Right? If we can teach you in a way that you internalize the values, right? <coughs> That's like you're talking about. Like when I got, when I got, when you got your black belt, you were like, holy shit, I don't know anything about being a black belt. I don't know anything about jujitsu. Right? You internalized the essence of being a black belt right there. That's that's what your your professors were after, right? It's like that's one of the curses of being the master is that your students will always surpass you, yeah. right? And that's that's the goal. But that's also at some point like I can't help you anymore. Like you know all of this, yeah. You go figure all that out. And then whether it's like the fancy word for graduation is commencement to begin it or whatever we got to do. But I think that like from a sports psychology standpoint, it's the same thing. Right? There are some basic, relatively universal concepts, but if we're really going to do this well, we have to meet them where they're at. We have to give them, like one of the people asked me what it's like to work where we, where we work. So it's a matter of giving them what they need in terms of what they want. Yeah. Right. And hopefully we can do it in a way where they take it and run with it. I think like the thing for me is like, when guys come in, you know, if we have, a, if they're coming in for a specific course, mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. <clears throat> this is the course. This is where I'm teaching it. And then if you want to hedge your caveats in there, like I'm very, like I try to be very interactive with the team sergeant or whoever's, you know, who's brought the guys in, whoever it may be. Like, Hey man, this is your show. You, like I'm, I don't live in your world. Tell, tell me, you know, do you guys do this differently than, you know, than, than this other team? That's fine. Whatever you all have your internal SOPs, I'm okay with that. But mine shouldn't change much. It might just, I may shift to the here or left or right, but the core concepts are always going to be there. But I do find like, it's like the guys that do come in that want continuing education, they get it. Cause you know, like, Hey, I, six weeks before deployment, you get us. I always go back to this. I'm okay. I'm not going to teach you what you think I'm going to teach you. <laughs> like what? I'm like you're going to go hit Joe at the boxing room. Okay. Why? Range distance. Oh, I only got six weeks. I need to like, not just here. I need you to understand a couple of basic things. Mm-hmm. Range and distance. That's what boxing does for you. You're going to work with coach Earl. Clinch work. Why? Clinch is going to be pretty important. If you're pretty having to important. All right. <clears throat> Wrestling. Why? Cause someone's going to try to tackle your legs. Yeah. Or you're going to have to, yeah. Or you're going to have to take someone. You're going to have to take physical control of a person. And then I'm like, then, then I'm going to teach you jujitsu and I'm not going to teach you jujitsu. You think I'm going to teach you jujitsu to get you back up to the ground or to neutralize the threat. I was like, the last thing we're going to work on is all your pistol work. Why? Because you guys already know that I need yeah. this first so that once I introduce your pistol into it, you're going to go, Oh, hmm. that makes sense. And then, we get to the part that you wanted to do, which we're going to go and do some cool stuff and, and put up some scenarios. But right. no, but most guys, like once I explain that, they're like, ah, okay, we're not fighting. No, I, you're, my job is not to teach you to fight. Again, it's two, but it's not two. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, 
no, we're not, you're not getting beat up in here every day. Right. And we're, your job, like, they come in with this conception of what it means to fight. Yeah. Like, and they have to learn what it actually means and to it's, fight. You know, it's different for, in, in our world, right? It's like, again, a lot of the psychology stuff comes in. I'm like, listen, man, you have to be, like, ultimately, at the end of the day, when I have you standing in front of someone else, I'm not going to be there for you so you can choose to pay. Like, again, you, you, just like you said, I was telling you guys, you don't get a magical ray in your pocket when you got to go fight. I'm not there. Mm-hmm. So my job is to make sure I give you the, enough information where you can survive that and continue your education. Yep. Right. That or, experience should teach yeah. you something. Right? Or you can choose not to listen to me. And then what happens? Well, I can promise you it's not going to end the way you think it is. And then you're going to have a choice at the end of that. <clears throat> be humble and come back and be like, yo, dude. I need to learn or you're going to be that dude that walks around that says F combatives. People just get hurt in combatives. Yep. But if I go back to your true experience, there's probably one of two things that happened in your experience. One, we did truly give you a bad experience, which means it was probably pre pre me. Yep. Or two is you went in there with a very closed mindset and got your shit pushed in. So now your feelings are hurt. Yep. It's only two reasons why I see you guys say that. And now you're back to posture. Yep. And that's how, and the world keeps rolling, rolling like that. One of the things that that has been pretty universal along those lines is that I've, I don't know where I got it from, but so I'd like to give credit where credit is due, but I don't remember. Was I do it with the kids at baseball practice and do it with the guys at work? They have a hard time failing. But they have a hard time succeeding too. Like they don't know how to deal with either one of them. You want to make a soft guy really uncomfortable, pay him a genuine compliment and watch him squirm in his chair. Like he does not know how to do that. And so one of the ways that like we're trying to connect this, you just had this experience that is yours, right? And the thing that I've learned, if I know anything about combat, or at least if I believe I know anything about combat is that it is an incredibly personal experience and it is a, extremely formative experience right so if i know anything like if we're going to take this experience and we're going to learn anything from it then one we have to know what we're good at right we have to know what we want at but then if we're going to really look at our failures and really understand them so that we can get something better from them then we have to know did we get did we get beat or did we lose yeah right did we lose or did we get beat and people, oh, what, what does it matter? The other team won. Oh, no, it's no, a big so, deal. There's right? a big difference. That's a big I'll difference. I'll throw this back to jujitsu. I have to tell this to my guys. If if you beat me by points, just beat me by points. But if you tap me, make me submit, I lose. And to me, that's hard. I might have those back for most people, but in my world, mm-hmm. I was telling you, I was like, if you tap me, like if I lose by points, I know that, man, I'm, I'm within grasp. Mm-hmm. I can figure it out. But if you tap me out, man, that's a whole different level of a loss. See, and the way, the, way that I, <clears throat> the way that I've always used it is a little bit different than that. But if we lose, that's because we failed. Yeah. We didn't do what we were capable of. If we got beat, we don't have to like it, but we can live with that. Because we just ran into somebody better than us. So we should probably learn something from them. If we lose, we need to learn something from ourselves. See, I'm a, I always tell people this. I'm the dumbest guy in this room. That's why I said it may be backwards, but that makes more sense. But I was like, I tried to articulate just again. No, right. And, but, and 
I wasn't trying to say that you were wrong because yeah. everybody's got a personal experience, but the way that I've been able to use it that makes the most sense to the most people is, hey, nobody likes failure, right? But everybody that's ever been successful will tell you that it's because of the failures, right? All right, so what makes failure so valuable? If we even break this down and unpack it a little bit, the reason that failure is valuable is because we learned something. Well, okay, so what did we learn? Well, we learned that either we ran into somebody that's better than us and we should probably pay attention to what they do. They either out-strategized us, out-physicaled us, or out-tacticaled us, whether we're playing baseball or military, tactics or tactics, right? They did all three. <laughs> or the, if they did all three, <clears throat> right? If we lost, then what did we not do that prevented us from playing our best game? Yeah. Doing the things that we've practiced doing. Was it that we got scared? Was it that the stress was too much? Was it that we got overconfident, that we got underconfident, that we, you know, didn't do our routine or whatever it is, because if we're going back to control, right, which is a huge deal in our stress management, right, stress always gets a bad rap because it's, everybody thinks of it as negative, but it's being really excited and motivated yeah, and being really scared and anxious. So it's kind of the same thing as far as our body's concerned. Our perspective is what makes it different, right? And yeah. so remember the first time that you rolled with the black belt? Yeah. It was a different experience than the last time you did. Of course. Right? Of course. So you were both, you, you had the same kind of jitters, the same kind of bubble guts and all that stuff, but your perspective is different. So you're, the last one was probably a lot better than the first one. For sure. Right? I always use the example with the military guys. It's like, remember the first time you jumped out of a perfectly good aircraft just for the sake of landing on the ground? Remember the last time you did it? Two different experiences, right? Sure. And so if we, if we can understand that, then we can unpack that loss that one hurts because that's on us yeah because we didn't control the things that we can control and if we don't do that then we can't influence the things that we can't right and that's the nature of the game like if we're playing no matter what competition then we have to accept the fact that our opponents expect us to lose right that's the nature of the beast it's a contest with test so what did we bring to pass this test oh we weren't prepared man that's a hard pill to swallow yeah that's a harder pill to swallow than oh i'm gonna go roll with ray in jiu-jitsu and ray's gonna stuff me in a corner and this thing's gonna be over before i even knew it started then yeah i got beat i can live with that i can but i'm gonna learn a different lesson than if i go out and if i beat you because you're just like oh whatever this is just <clears throat> yeah college boy nerd is just out here, doesn't know anything about it, and, oh, he just caught me in a whatever. Well, how did you, how is the, the three-stripe black belt get caught by a guy that doesn't know anything? That's a you problem, Yeah. right? Makes sense? Yeah, and so totally. that's been a pretty universal thing in terms of, like, how do we get this in context? Because the word that I hate the most that gets associated with me the most is mindset. Because there's really only two, if we look at the science of it really only two mindsets and the only way that we can determine the two mindsets is a response to failure right so we're going like closed and open mindset or well we... it's commonly known as fixed and growth mindset okay right open and closed fixed and growth yeah. there's more technical terms for it depending on how nerdy you want to go with it but both of them are like the fixed mindset is only revealed after either a significant failure or repeated failures in the same thing 
Yeah. Can Until agree. then, the fixed mindset and the growth mindset guy look the same. They're the same people. They act the same. They approach things the same. Like, once you really get into the weeds of it, you can start to see it, like, predict it. Because if you, an easy example, if you set up at your gym with the kids or at work or wherever, hey, guys, we're going to do, we've got three stations today. We're just kind of kind of get loose or do it open. We can go do this one that's really going to be difficult, that you're really going to be tasked technically. And we can do this one that is going to be kind of, you know, we're just going to roll it out and get loose. And then we're going to do this one where it's just kind of like choose your own adventure. The guys that go to the challenging one, those are the gross guys. Those are the open guys. The guys that go, oh, I'm just going to go help these guys roll with the, uh, those are your, those are going to be your fixed guys when shit hits the fan, right? Not a big fan of that guy. Not a big fan of that guy. But he's, he could, he, he might, it might be a black belt. Yeah. It might be your guy. Bro. Because you don't know that until you've forced them to fail. I've seen it. But you can't set that failure up where they know <clears throat> that they can't win, right? Yeah. If you're going to be able to identify that and really start to help these guys unpack, whether it's kids or adults, civilians, military, it doesn't matter. If you don't set that up where they're going in, knowing that they have a chance to win, that you're smarter than that and you set it up where they have to deal with like, oh man, my A game's not working. I have to go to a B game. Yeah. Right. Then we can start to see those behaviors and it's just like reading the tea leaves. It's like, oh, that's that, that's that, that's that. Okay. Now I know who I'm dealing with. I do that with my jujitsu guys. I make mm -hmm. them fill up bubble sheets. Mm -hmm. So big circle, triangle, or, or guard, sorry. And then I have them branching off there. Give me three submissions from your guard. Boom. Those will just go here, guard, armbar. All right, what happens if the armbar fails? What's your next branch up here? Right, like uh, armbar fails, go to the omoplata. Okay, what happens if the omoplata fails? And I'm just going, again, geek down Geek Street with jujitsu. Well... If the omoplata fails, then I'm going to try to shoot to a triangle, roll them over. Okay, get there. All right, what's your next thing? I, it's like if you don't plan those things out, you are in a world that you're going to – I don't know if a microsecond exists. Again, I'm, I'm pretty stupid. I just say like you, you don't have a second. Yeah. Millisecond exists, yeah. yeah. You have like a, a millisecond to, to make a decision. And guess what? That's fast. And if you don't have muscle memory in play, you know what happens in, in when the second hits? Nothing. Mm -hmm. there's no backup plan. That's a bad thing. Yep. So, and I take that over from to the combatives world. All right. Like if this doesn't work, what's the next Avenue? Cause too often in combatives like, Hey Ray, this, you know, I've got this guy lined up here and this isn't working. I go, okay. Well, and he's, he's at a different angle, right? Fighting's not black and white. What's your process? Just play with me. Where would you go from here? Just with the limited knowledge you have. Like, um, well, you showed me this frame. So I'm going to come over to this side and do that. I'm like, okay, then you're right. There's the process, right? Mm -hmm. it, but too often guys are like, well, this didn't work. So this, this is crap. And I think that like in the combatives world with those guys until I can break them past that barrier. Well, they didn't work. The one thing you showed me didn't work. I'm like, well, it's not. It works like 10% of the simple. time, all the time. Right. Right. There's a reason why there's open movements. And it's like, you know, we will talk about Z. Like, you know, if Z's in a course with me and has been in a course with me and been like, hey, well, I do this. I'm like, I'll get the guys like, well, who's right? I'm like, we're both right. That dude, if he, if I didn't know Z, then I'm like, well, what's his background? I mean, did he run through, you know, 
two courses and now got a certificate and then he's i'm like nope that's not that's not at all what happens nope but we can all agree i know z very well you know z very well Mm -hmm. when z says something i'm like yeah again there's more than one way to do this yeah just giving you a basic course so you can step back and go like you said i have this knowledge what do i do Mm -hmm. with it now it's that domain iq yeah right and that's the part where a lot of the stuff that compared to that, that's one of the things I really had to learn going into the military side of it is because in the academic world, everything's conceptual framework and theoretical framework and it, it's all principle based, yeah. right? Like the principles are generally aligned here and these principles are gener- like we can, because we have these principles, then we can get, deduce it down to the narrowest factor. <coughs> yeah. When I came and was introduced to the military, everything was procedures, right? And the way that I, one of the ways that I think about it is I'm not a real good at math guy. I went to college for a long time, but I failed math three times. So I don't do math real good. But I think of procedures as doing arithmetic. Yeah. Right? The problem with teaching people procedures and only procedures, like we have to start at a task, isolate a task, but we have to learn how to stack them together. Right? But if they only know the procedures, then they can't do the algebra. I know that one plus one equals two and two plus one equals three and three plus one equals four. But if you give them number one and number two and then ask them what number five is, they can't do the math. Yeah. Right. Because they only know the procedures. Teaching principles in the military has been difficult. And that's what you're talking about. It's like, who, well, who's right? What's the best way to take this room down? What do the principles say? Yeah. Oh, is that it? Yeah, that's it. it, it it's, it's incredibly... When you say it to them, you can just see them like, but no. I'm like, no, that's it. No, like, but what if, what if this was in the room? Or what if that's in the room? Or what if this is in the room? What does the principal say? Yeah. Well, he did it this way, and then he <clears> did it this way, and you're saying both of them are right. Which one is right? Yes. The, the one that makes sense to you. Which one violates the principal? Yeah. None of them. Then they're right. So, you know, dude, we've been talking for a minute, and I know, like, you know, obviously we can talk for hours. Yeah, I, um, I tends to be long-winded. No, 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 no. This is not long-winded. Uh, truth is, like, so much great information. Um, but I try to keep it, like, two hours so that, yeah. like, I don't well, burn we my better breath. wrap it up then. So I kind of go with, like, here. And, and the whole purpose of me, like, really starting this podcast in the, in the get-go is I wanted to talk to individuals, man, that just get it, right? Like, that realize that there's there's more than one piece to an equation and especially when it comes to and i i, I kind of use the combat like the tier one athlete the combat athlete mindset of you know when i when i ask guys what did you come into my gym for initially and i get you know you get these these mixed responses but for the most part it's you want to better yourself like you never came into the gym because you didn't want to better yourself whether it's like, I, you know, I got bored with weightlifting and I wanted to try something different or, hey, this I had a situation that happened. I realized I needed to get more involved with learning how to protect myself or, hey, my buddy talked about it. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. we, there's a whole bunch more. But ultimately, I tell you guys, like, you came in, man, because you wanted knowledge. Right? And a lot of you guys get into one spot of it, right? Like, you'll you'll gravitate towards jujitsu more than boxing or you might gravitate to boxing more than jujitsu just kind of depends right and you, you don't really know until you do them all i have a lot of guys that have come in and be like yeah i know my uncle boxed so you know i'm probably going to be a boxer and then like three days later i see him with a gi on mm-hmm. like what happened like oh, yeah, i got punched in the face i didn't like that at all 
<clears throat> or you get a guy that, you know, comes in and he bought the $300 show you roll and he's like, you know, like, oh, dang, you trained. Nope, first class. All right. <laughs> you know? And then, you know, a month later, you know, I, I'm watching on Facebook and he's selling his gi and now got boxing gloves. <laughs> so you don't really know what you are until mm -hmm. you go in there and do what you do. But ultimately, it says, like, if you don't venture outside that box, you're in that really limited growth mindset. Like, you know, I, it, this is kind of the thing, and jujitsu coaches will hear this. It's the best. A blue belt in jujitsu has never done boxing, never done anything else at your gym. I'm not talking to a guy that's doing all the other stuff. Bro, I, you see the street fight that happened? Man, you know what I would have done? What would you have done? What do you mean? I've never seen you in a boxing class. Let me punch you in the face real quick. I'll tell you what you're going to do. You're going to panic just like everyone else does. But then you don't know what to do because you don't have any boxing lessons. All right? And maybe maybe you get away with it. But that's not who I'm training you for. I'm training you for the highest level, dude. You might get away with hit double leg and then build some false, false confidence and go, well, you know, I got punched once. I took a guy down, arm barred him. And what happens when you meet the guy that also knows how to fight and you're yeah. one dimensional. So you got to go out and you got to learn the other things. Oh, and once you kind of, you're never going to master any of these. That's a big thing. Hey, I've actually had a guy ask me, when did you master jujitsu? I'm like, <laughs> I haven't mastered anything. I haven't even mastered life, bro. I don't know. <laughs> like I mastered how to tie my shoes today. I can't even do my kids math. What yeah, are you talking about? Yeah. yeah. I don't know what an array is. <laughs> um, I'm like, no, dude, it's ever, ever growing. And, mm -hmm. and you know, I talked to Drew. It's like, I feel like guys either, you know, like what you got to know how to shoot a weapon. I think that's kind of a valid thing. You got to understand how important that weapon is, especially if you're going to go into the concealed carry side of it. Why do I conceal carry? It is because it is the last viable option to happen. And for 90% of dudes walking around with the outside the waistband holster, that's the first line of defense. They want everyone to see it. it drives me freaking yep. crazy. Right? Yep. Like, so you're really ready to go that deep? Mm -hmm. How many times have you pulled that under duress? Do you understand backstops? Do you understand the liability that you're going to have involved in this? Cool. Nope. No, no. You just, you went paid your little $80 and went to your two day course and they were like, here you go. And then instead of concealing it, you went, I got to show everyone how BAM, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm like, you got to know how to shoot a weapon. Maybe even some fixed blade work. Like it, truly, if you want to learn how to defend yourself, but the, one of the biggest equations I feel everyone misses from there is the psychological portion of it. You, yeah. I've, see, I've seen this all the time. I know you've seen it is guys will go out there and I'm talking there every day, weightlifting, training, pushing, working. And then when they go out to go slap hands, and I'm just using this in the jujitsu side, they get beat. I'm not mm -hmm. talking just beat, but beat. Yep. I don't get those guys to recover because in their head they did everything humanly possible dude i lifted i ate right i trained right it's like but you never convinced yourself that you belong there mm -hmm. you never like when you stepped on those mats the guy that trained that hard wasn't the guy that showed up the guy that self-doubted himself was the guy that was sitting there yeah i was like so you guys are missing that element again i'm not that guy but i know a pretty cool dude mm -hmm. and you know that's like that i need to get on the podcast that is that dude that's the guy that's going to walk you through that. I just happen to be blessed to be able to watch his stuff in action and pick my own garbled pieces out of it to try to figure out how to make you guys better. 
Well, the feeling's mutual because I feel like I'm doing the same thing. And I think that that's, that's really... I learned this when I had to supervise convicts as part of my job as a junior college employee, right? Which piecing life together, trying to pay the bills. <clears throat> yeah. And I was supervising some medium security prisoners who were out on work release. And so I'm 25 years old now. I'm in charge of all these guys. And you have to go through this earshot, eyeshot training so that you're T for trained to supervise people that yeah. have no business supervising. But um, the best place to hide something is in plain sight. Right. Yeah. And I found that that's more true outside of supervising convicts than anything else, because ju just what you said, man, I'm killing it in the gym. I'm weighing and measuring everything that I eat. I'm taking all these supplements. I'm, I'm buying all the fancy stuff. I've got all the equipment. I went and did the training. What, why doesn't it work? It's because you're not working at it. Like you're doing all the tasks, but you're never putting it together. Right, and then when you get into the fight, then we're now we're back to the what does it mean to be tough? Well, when you're about in your example, we're going out to slap hands. Do you have the courage of your convictions to go execute the things that you've practiced? Right, or if you're behind a sniper rifle, do you have the courage of the convictions to go do the things that you've practiced? Or if you're an eight-year-old that's about to stand up and face a kid pitching at him for the first time. You're not thinking about hitting the ball. The only thing that's going through that kid's head is don't hit me, 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 don't hit me. Yeah. Right? And so <clears throat> that's the part where it's in plain sight. It's just that we get so caught up in the minutia of all of the little slices of the pie that we never step back to see the, the thing as a whole. How do we put all these, like your example is to connect all these dots. How do I... I can go to the gym all day and I can get as big and strong as I want to, but for what? And I think that like why the connect the dot doesn't happen as much as it does is the ego. Yeah. I feel like guys have like, here's the deal. Like I always tell you guys, I know how to fight. I've learned how to fight in tactical situations by dudes that are way better than me. Why? Cause they had an open mindset to be able to share their experiences mm -hmm. with me and to help me develop stuff. Right. I was going like, again, Z and I talk about this all the time. I was like, Lee, I know you think you learned a ton from me, but I've learned more from you than you learned from me. I guarantee you. He's like, no. I'm like, all right, well, we can we can agree to disagree. Fair enough. Right? Yeah. But it it, it, it takes people to be like, okay, well, that's not my lane, but let's, let's figure out how we connect those lanes mm -hmm. so this makes sense for these guys. Because, again, I feel like the guy that is winning at the highest level is connected all those dots, whatever he or she is doing in their life. Right. And then it comes back to, um, you know, Andy Bustamante said this is like, there's a word that everyone's missing there. Consistency. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, you think that success is built overnight. It's not. It's by being consistent. It's like I was reading a book on consistency just a minute ago and I'm, I'm reading it, but it's talking about two guys that have generally the same, you know, they're the same dudes. They do the same thing every day. But one guy finally wakes up and goes, there's got to be more. So he figures out what he needs to do consistently to make a difference. Well, if you look at them within six months, they're, they're still the same. You're not going to tell which one's doing things to change the habits right. to go longer. It's like a year down the road, three years down the road is when we can come back and go a year down the road. Like, Oh, okay. There's a little bit difference. Three years down the road. They're not even on the same roads. Nope. 
right and it's like but th- that's you know in that that all that book i was like ooh, that's right Ooh, okay frequency always wins in training yeah. and that's one of the things that from the sports psychology world everybody seems to want to come here and be like tell me what i need to do so i can leave here and i'm fixed right but it's a mental skill right and one of the things that drives me crazy about the military is oh that's a, that's a perishable skill Fighting is a perishable skill. Pistol shooting is a perishable skill. Yeah, no shit. By definition, all skills are perishable, perishable. right? Everything is perishable. So this consistency, if you're not connecting the dots, then you're either training for one very specific thing, which we can get away with in sport all day long. Yeah. Right? But if you're not training for sport, if you're training for combat or you're training for just life in general, whether it's education, whether it's physical, whether it's mental, whether it's emotional, any of that, then you have to understand that these things are skills, right? Like confidence is a skill. It's a mental skill. And if you don't understand the parts of it and how to exercise it and how to break it down and put it together and what it means and, and how to use it, then yeah, you're not going to have it when you need it. Right, you're going to be reliant on hoping that you feel good that day, and that's a bad plan. Yeah. Right. And so when we think about any kind of development, whether we're like, you ever seen a kid? You've seen kids learn how to walk. They fall down a lot. Never see them get frustrated. Nope. They just keep standing up. Like that's something that we learn. Yeah. It's something that we learn. And when you're talking about ego, you're right. The ego usually gets into a problem. But if we really unpack that ego part of it, are we really talking about Posture? Yeah. Right? If we go back to Grossman example, are we talking about posture? Yeah. Are we talking, we're just trying to avoid something. Yeah. Right? And that's one of the things that I've really enjoyed in my time is is getting to see some of these guys evolve. And man, I'll tell you that the first time that I met Z, since we mentioned him a couple times, there was a lot of ego there. A lot of ego there. And the last time I talked to him, you know, I helped him out with one of his, one of his shooting courses his learn and burn. It was a good time. It, it's rivers, streams, and dams of life, man. It's like he's the work that he's done in his development post military is something that is more impressive than anything that he ever did there, as far as I'm concerned. And you talked about this early, but it's like I think he needed to be that guy back he needed then. It, yeah, I sure. Mean, because what he did back then, I think obviously has put him in a position to be where he's at now. Yep. But more importantly, the connecting point there with him is as you get older, you start to realize I don't need to be that guy. I can still get this across, right. but now he has those experiences. I, yeah. I, again, I'm one of Z's biggest fans. Like I was telling guys like, man, like listen, that dude, like I feel like outside of an instructor standpoint, he's one of the few dudes in the world that can do it. Like, and I don't, yep. again, I, I put myself in that context just because not because I'm special, uh, or that I'm the BA, but there's very few guys that do what we do. Mm-hmm. Just like, like on your side, yep. like it's just, there's not a need for it, you know? And it's, I'm lucky to have worked in a place and continue to work at a place that allows me that, that understands the value of having a civilian counterpart there mm-hmm. because I've seen it go on the other portion where, you know, they've had, you know, dudes in the military trying to teach the course. And the truth is maybe you get a good guy in there. But is that where we're wasting that guy's talent? Is that what, you know? And, and two is, at some point, he's going to have to pick up and leave, whether he's mm-hmm. deciding to get out of the military or he's being shipped off to a different duty station. Yep. 
now you're having to reinvent the wheel again. Right. Where, you know, again, having you as long as as group has had you, like, the dividends are now, like, everyone is getting that. And I was right. just like, it's like, dude, where you're at now, it's like, you're in a great place. Yeah. And it's the long game. And, the, and I think that's kind of the the biggest misconception about sports psychology is to one, the first one is, Oh, you have a problem. Go see the sports psych guy. It's like, I'm not here to fix your problems. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I'm, I'll, I'll tell, I tell the guys at work all the time that if you're having, if you hate your dad, like we know the kind of people yeah. that we deal with. If you hate your dad, which is tongue in cheek, or if you're having the slow bullet dream, like I'll listen to you talk as long as you want. But I'm not here to fix things that are broken, right? My job is not the other thing that I get accused of or not accused of or mislabeled is like, I'm not the guy that helps you get better at recovering from your TBI. Yeah. I'm the guy that helps you get better at the stuff that causes the TBI. Yeah. We're here to get performance based stuff. We're not doing health and wellness. Like at some level, yes, we're all doing health and wellness, but specifically we're here to do performance. So this that's like, oh, you got a problem? Oh, man, hey, hey, Seth, we're going to, I'm going to send this guy over because, like, he's struggling. That's not what you're there for. Well, at some level, <coughs> yeah, but if we're really going to understand how anything works, then we have to play the long game. Yeah. Right? Like, you don't, I can't go in, I can't come to your gym tonight and s- with my $300 gi on that I just bought and say, Ray, teach me how to be a black belt. You'll say yes. But I, I'm not leaving tonight as a yeah. black belt, right? I'm talking about, we're talking about decades, Yeah. right? And the sooner that I get introduced to this, this is why leadership is so important. And this is why you can't can leadership into a, a textbook, right? Is that that leadership, like what you do in the combative gym is leadership within the group itself, right? That's one of my goals as well is that I'm not in charge of anything there, but if, when I, when I got this job, that was one of my goals was to try to be a leader in something bigger than me. Right. And so that's that, like I've been accused before, and this is a favorable accusation. This is something that I was going for. It's like one of the old guys, the old, old guys, when he was leaving, he was like, I see what you're doing. You're just planting seeds and then you just keep watering them and then you just keep watering them and you just keep painting. I see what you're doing. And that one, I, that's one of those moments where it's like, okay, I can get fired tomorrow. I feel like I did something here. Right. But if we're going to go, if you're going to come and meet with a sports psychologist or find a sports psychologist, because you have a problem, I can help you with that, but I'm not going to fix it today. You're not going to fix it today. Cause it's just like, I use I always use this example of a lot of little bottles equals a big bottle, right? If I want to turn you into an alcoholic, I don't make you drink a bottle of bourbon tonight because you ain't coming back tomorrow to drink anymore. Yeah. Right? If I want to turn you into alcoholic, I'm going to give you one drink today, and then tomorrow I'm going to give you another one, and then tomorrow I'm going to give you a little bigger one, and then pretty soon you're going to be drinking a whole bottle and you're going to need it, right? If I come to you and say, Ray, I want to be a black belt, you're not going to give me a black belt test on the first day because I'm going to get hurt. I'm going to go home and I'm going to be like, that was horrible. I'm never going back. You're going to give me a little bottle 
right? You're going to give me a little lesson and then tomorrow another lesson and then tomorrow another lesson, right? Yeah. If somebody comes into a strength coach and is like, man, I need to bench press 400 pounds. I'm not going to put you under 400 pounds today, right? I'm going to give you a little bottle and just keep putting it in there until eventually a bunch of little bottles is going to equal a big bottle. And it's not good or bad. It doesn't, the, the process doesn't care if it's good or evil, if it's fitness or, or injury, it doesn't care. It just works that way. So we have to do it in a way that's intentional. We have to do it in a way that's focused. We have to be mindful of where we're going with this and it's not going to happen today. We may have little epiphanies along the way, but it's not going to happen today. It's not going to happen tomorrow. But like when such guys come a hard in, thing to get such through, such a dudes. hard thing, right? But like that's the thing is like if you come and like I'm I've been thirty pounds overweight for the last twenty years, right? It took me twenty years to get there. I ain't losing thirty pounds tomorrow, right? It's gonna take me a couple years to get out of that if that's gonna be sustainable. I think like and I just throw this out there, it's like the hardest thing for me to get through my students is that the amount of effort you put in in six weeks prior to a competition is not going to fix your entire jujitsu game and you're not going to like you'll get guys that come in and like man i but i devoted six weeks man and i still suck and i'm like dude this is a process like the, the problem is people want their hard skill sets to be like amazon delivered within 24 <laughs> right. to 48 hours and it's like that's not how it fucking works bro nope. like listen <clears throat> and, and i have a kid on the i know we said we were gonna leave but we weren't um <laughs> i have a kid and and, and you know i won't say his name because he's underage you know but this kid for God, six tournaments i'm just talking i mean that after the sixth tournament, I was like, man, maybe I need to have a conversation with his dad because this isn't going well <laughs> at all. Like there is, I mean, it's just every tournament was just, and then I was like, all right, well, he's not m mad. He's not like, I mean, he cries, you know, obvious normal reactions, Yeah. you know, but what I didn't want was him just to get beat up all the time where, all right, we're not learning anything. We need to just backpedal and let's, let's go back and do something else for a minute. Well, then. The next tournament, I was like, all right, if, let's just see how he does at this tournament, man. And, like, if it goes south, I'm just going to have a conversation with his dad. Like, hey, let's stop competing. I think we're doing more harm than good right now. Mm -hmm. The light switch. Now, he didn't win the tournament. Mm -mm. But he didn't get tapped out that entire tournament. He lost every match still. And I was like, oh, right, let's see what happens. What if I tell you this kid right now, we're, we're probably a year past all that scary good mm -hmm. right and, and of course i have to have a conversation with parents i'm like listen he's a prime example of someone i can use kids just do they kids learn differently and then their success is going to be different than each other so yeah. you know big thing is like man do you think my son's going to lose if i if he goes to tomorrow? oh yeah for sure i need i need you to be prepared for that i was like what's your expectations of him well man you know i just I want him to have fun and, you know, I just, I don't know how many people to lose. I'm just like, cool. All right. What do you think his expectations are for him? He's scared as heck right now. He has no expectations. And we're ready to throw him in a world he's never been in before. Right? Terrified. Terrified. What yep. are my expectations? I don't care whether he wins or loses. What I care about is the way he handles himself. Mm -hmm. 
It's like we have a general rule in my gym. Don't care whether you win, don't care whether you lose. Can you step off that mat and tell me that you gave me your best? Yes, cool. Then we're on the process. Were you respectful? Yes. All right. That's all I care about. Yeah. Are you respectful, man? And did you give your best? Because I will get you there. But I can't get you there if you quit on yourself. Did you do your best? The best doesn't always mean winning. So no. that's, but that's hard to do. Like you it get is guys hard that'll, to do. They'll, they'll, they'll quit after one tournament. Adults are the worst. Oh, the worst. And that's, that's what we deal with <clears throat> yes. as adults. Right. And if I could Amazon deliver any lesson into anybody's head and just have it here, you know, that's one of the, I'm not super savvy on all this stuff, but my wife has the Amazon prime. Yeah. And I was looking at it the other day. I'm like, Oh, I would like to have that, but I hate buying things on the internet cause I don't get them to hold them in my hand. And it says, this will be delivered this afternoon. I'm like, that's not real. You had to click on it, didn't I you? I clicked it. And sure as shit, I got here this afternoon. It's the coolest shit ever. So if I could Amazon deliver, like you said, a lesson into anybody, especially parents, especially parents of kids, but also those adult populations that, that we're training, is the way that you deliver feedback to the people you're teaching, but also to yourself, is so important. Yeah. Right? I've got, I've got kids, you've got kids, they've got different levels and abilities and skills. But like when my kids come home and like, I got a hundred percent on my test. I don't tell them they're smart. That's not why. That's not why you got a hundred percent on your test. It's cause you were, it's cause you studied. Yeah. It's cause you prepped. It's cause you practiced. When I get a kid on the baseball team, like I know that this, if we put this kid on the mound, we are going to lose the game. I don't care. He's not, that's not why we're doing this. I'm not chasing a bunch of $25 rings. What we're after is <laughs> I want this kid to have this experience, right, of learning how to fight. I'm not talking about your kind of fighting, but learning how to fight the doubt, yeah. learning how to fight the pressure, learning how to be the guy that he... It's still the same to me. Like, like it he doesn't wants matter, to be, yeah. right? It's, that's the fight. And it's like, man, you go out there, I know what your best looks like. I've, I'm the coach. I'm, that's my job. My, if you go out and you strike out the side, I'm not going to tell you that you're a good pitcher. I'm going to talk about how you controlled yourself, how you took your mechanics, how you calmed yourself down when you needed to calm yourself down and how you got yourself up. Like the things that created the success is more important than the outcomes. But when we experience it that way, especially as parents, but a lot of times as adults is that we're so focused on the outcomes. Like what are people going to think if I lose? What are people going to think if I, if it looks like I struggle? Where people think... If it looks bad, like we have this, we, we somehow develop this really horrible relationship with effort where we start to believe that if we are good at something, it should be easy. Yeah. Right. And that's true into the 80%, right. But if we're talking about the 20%, like those guys know, those people know that the difference between the 90th percentile and the 91st percentile is the same amount of effort it took to get to the 90th percentile. Right. When we start getting into that bottleneck and you work your whole life to get to this 90th percentile, how do I get to the 91st percentile? You got to work just as hard because now nothing is easy. Love it. Right now, nothing is easy. And this is where like that relationship with effort, that's mental toughness, right? That relationship with did I lose or did I get beat? That's mental toughness. That relationship with do I really know everything that I could know so that I always have something to fight with? That's mental toughness, right? Yeah. And the other stuff, getting you from zero to 
it's really simple. It's not easy. Like, let's not confuse simple and easy because those are two different things. It's relatively simple. It truly is. uh, Dude, I tell guys all the time, you can get there. It's simple, but it's hard. (laughs) Uh, It's super simple. It it doesn't require a lot, man. But it's hard because you're you're not going to want to do it. Nope. You're not going to want to do it because, you, again, we'll go back to you You want the Amazon deal, bro. Mm-hmm. I don't have the Amazon deal. Right. Well, Doc, on that note, man, listen, Doc is uh, – he's getting ready to head out. He's He's got baseball. Got baseball, and, yep. And he drove a little ways. So, Doc, um, I definitely would love to bring you back on the podcast. Always happy. Have, always happy to help. Yeah, And, guys, like, um, I would like to throw some stuff out there. Doc's, again, still in the private sector fully. So, once he gets some stuff going um, – I do. I'm. I did kick off a, a little LLC <laughs> to try to test the waters of the the real world. Um, calling it Caliber Development Group. Okay. And targeting some EMS, SWAT kind of LE, LEO yeah. populations, but also sport performance populations. People keep telling me that like, oh, businesses would love to have you i don't know shit about business but we'll do that for them too if they're if they want it and i really i I got some help with this from from one of the guys that got out Mm -hmm. and is out in the world and he ran into a a really kind of amazing woman who's kind of coached me on some things and caliber just seems to fit that really well right because one of the things about when when I say caliber to you, one of the first things that went through your head is like nine mil, three oh eight, five five six, two two uh, three, something. Yeah, one hundred percent. Right? Yeah. And so that fits the kind of the the military slash LEO slash first responder, mm-hmm. right? But if you think about if I asked you what's your caliber of jujitsu, you're not thinking about that, right? And so at some level it's like we're gonna move our calibers up. Like my ten year old is gonna shoot in his first shooting competition on tomorrow. He's going to do a two gun, but I talked to the guys and they're going to let him run his little 22 that he's hundred percent safe with. Right. Okay. And he's super stoked about it, but he's starting at the smallest caliber. Good. I know that's is not the smallest caliber, but you know what I'm yeah, saying? No, but and for that, yeah, for sure. he's really excited to be around the guy shooting the big guns, the big caliber guns, because as we move up, we start to think of those as like bigger, more powerful things. Is right? this happening now in Hopkinsville? Yeah. Yeah. All right. I know someone that'll be there. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And, um, but if you think about the character and like, which is what we're talking about with the 20 percenters, yeah. we're talking about they're a different kind of people. They have a different character and that's a malleable thing. That's something that we can learn and something, and if it's something we can learn, then it's a skill and it means it's something we have to maintain. Right. And so when we're talking about kids and youth sports, they do, they're dealing with a lot of stuff that, that adults are missing for the most part. But if you think about all the transitions they have to make and like all the pressure and all that stuff from whatever, it's like we're really trying to build or give people the tools to build their own caliber. Yeah. Right. And once we have these calibers, right, then we need to pick the right one for the right job. And so I, it just really kind of rung with me. And I love of course, it. I'm always about development. And so the group is kind of the three aspects that we're after. And I am. 100% brand new. I'm the guy that just showed up to your gym with $300 gi and doesn't know how to tie the belt. 
that's how much I know about business. So well, it's going to be quite I'm, an adventure. I'm going to tell you this, like, and I've said this before, man. There's a lot of my buddies that have gotten out mm-hmm. and are doing amazing things, and they have what it takes, and they had, well, they had what it took, right? Like when you would talk about, let's just talk about Drew and Z. I mean, those are two dudes, right? I'll just we can go way down there, but those are two dudes that were to me were the outliers. That were the top twenty, <clears throat> regardless. Right. And again, they, you know, obviously we all have growing up to do, but dude, you're going to be amazing. And we were blessed to, to have you on the show today. And again, we will have you on, but I think you, let's get you out of here and get you to right. beat this well, traffic. Thanks. Uh, Doc. Those, those thoughts are, are mutual for sure. All right, brother. Appreciate right. it, my man. Thank you. Right, bye-bye.